1: Tenakoto, Tenakoto, Tenatato Kato no my hada my welcome to Mud and Blood, a podcast dark and grim. And uh yeah. And getting a hundred now. <laughs> we hit a hundred. One hundred. We're fucking Yeah. We're old. <laughs>
2: hundred episodes and this is a hundred normal episodes actually because I'm um, just looking at our metrics spreadsheet and this will be our 160th episode in total so that's that's ignoring uh, that's including all the actual play content um <laughs> yeah and by the time this goes live it's gonna it's gonna be going live to the public um two weeks roughly. I mean, we don't know when we're recording exactly when it's going to go live, but um, you know, if things go to schedule, then it's going to be about two weeks before our three-year anniversary for the show as well. Um, so yeah, three years and a hundred regular episodes—quite the uh, quite the achievement. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's, it's yeah, it hundred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we're gonna we're gonna in this kind of centennial episode we're going to not do GM toolbox sort of stuff. we're not gonna talk about specific um you know role-playing content necessarily. We're gonna be doing a retrospective and we're gonna look back at the show look at where we've you know where we started um look at some of our favorite favorite content for from the two of us um yeah. And at the end, we're going to talk a little bit about a giveaway, which we're going to we're going to be doing a very very big giveaway. Um, our Patreon supporters are going to be getting some physical goodies, and our anybody who is on Discord, we're going to open up a giveaway for that for some um, digital goodies on Drive RPG. So if you stick around to the end, you'll hear de- de- eh, details of that. But yeah, that's the idea. We're going to be look, doing all sorts of uh, yeah, naval gazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Nah,
1: fucking, yeah. <laughs> man, like it's been it's been ages. It's been ages, and we've picked up a lot of listeners since back in the old days. I was actually just trying to pull up um the metrics. I can't seem to get them working, but I found the the scheduling where you you keep a lot of the metrics. So I'll use that for this. But um, man, like our early episodes, we uh. Yeah, we're pretty, I remember back when I thought like a hundred was a lot of people. <laughs> and, oh God, yeah. and, and like, just being surprised that that many people gave a shit about what we were talking about to come and listen. And then, uh, and
2: then, yeah, now it's, it's just gone up.
1: <laughs> it just keeps going up.
2: Um, in fact, if you want to, if you want to see them, our, all of our metrics are available to the public. Um, If you go to the link mbcast.co forward slash metrics, um, that's actually what liam is looking at right now it's the one you're in miss um okay. if, uh, there's an averages tab at the bottom
0: and that mm-hmm. has the
2: um the like bar chart ah. so basically this ah. like the metrics tab has has all of our um downloads all, all of our download figures for all of our episodes up to the 30-day mark um because that's apparently the um the The measurement standard in podcasting is how many unique downloads after within the first 30 days. So that's what we've been measuring from the start. We've also been looking at um, 24 hour figures, one week and two week and four week figures. Um, And yeah, we also use this to schedule what we've got coming up. So if you want to sneak peek at what we're kind of planning going forward, you can look in there and get a little bit of a sneak peek too. Anyway, so that's what, as we're going to be referencing some like metrics and stuff, that's what we'll be looking at. So if you want to look at it while you're listening, feel free. Uh, there'll be a yeah. link in the description, the the show notes too. Yeah. So but yeah,
1: our first ever episode, right? Nearly mm. three years ago, three years ago, and, and just over a month at, at time of recording, uh, <laughs> we were we 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 were trying to recap the, the three editions of Warhammer that existed in <laughs> twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think we even I think we even made the bold claim at the time that this is going to be a short form podcast. Um, yeah. All of our episodes are going to be thirty minutes or less, um, or like thirty minutes was the target. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah, we were yeah. so naive back then.
1: <laughs> well, because yeah, like I remember, like I remember at the time you and I we got to know each other from starting the Ratcatchers Guild.
2: Yeah, that's right.
1: Um, and we were on there and we were both super hyped about 4th edition Warhammer coming out. Um, and I was in another podcast at the time and it was
2: really long and rambly. Oh, Jesus, I haven't, even th- I, haven't even, I haven't even thought about that one in a long yeah. time. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I was in another podcast at the time, but it was really sort of like hard to schedule. And, um yeah, the other fella, was, it was always hard to get them pinned down and both our schedules always clashed and just wasn't really working out. Um, and like... Matt was like, hey, I'm thinking about doing my own podcast. Uh, I've been trying to record it on my own. It's not been working out. I've listened to yours. We should do one, but I reckon, like, it should be this, and you were giving a bunch of things. One of them was 20 to 30 minutes, and I remember being really excited about that because that was much easier for (laughs) scheduling than two hours. Um, (laughs) uh, But, uh, yeah, yeah, nah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we actually didn't even manage that in our first episode. I'm just looking no, at like the, my podcast here. Yeah, it's 42 minutes. And we yeah. had 42 minutes on the second one as well. And then it was the third episode was an interview with um, Tomas from Free League about about Forbidden Lands. And that was over an hour. And I think from there, it was we had one 53-minute one after the Forbidden Lands preview. And then everything was just over an hour. And then, uh, yeah, it just steadily went up from there. The one
1: that got yeah. really bad was when um I had we had Jim Jeff not Jim Jeffries Jim um Davis Davis on um yeah, yeah Jim Davis on <laughs> episode discuss, 9
2: yeah
1: discuss something first look of
2: Warhammer or something yeah and, first um, look at fourth edition that's right yeah, yeah. it was just and, it was just you and him wasn't it yeah you couldn't make it and I was in the States with my with my family, yeah.
1: That's when we found out that you were very vital for timekeeping. Because I <laughs> I know on his on his channel too, um it's Pruitt and the producer that keeps him on topic. Yeah. So it was like the two ramblers of each channel. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. together rambling for two and a half hours, which at the time was like Frah! and since then we've
2: <laughs> yeah. we've done that a few times. But um yeah. <laughs> I mean I think this is the thing like people people have gotten in touch with us on social media and have said we're too long we're too long-winded. We we should be it would be would be much better if we were shorter. Um we've heard you, but there are v- vast 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 number of people who have said the exact opposite. They really like that we are conversational. They don't mind the long the long duration. And for us it's a lot easier to just um have a conversation than to stress about um hitting specific mm. points and and doing it like that um and there's also no way to edit us down below sort of like maybe five percent of our original running time because we are quite rambly we're quite conversational and it would feel very there are no natural pauses i think or very very few no. where you could cut a section out um no, yeah, yeah like having
1: Being a guest on a couple of podcasts that keep it shorter, the amount of structure you need to do that I feel like would take away some of our charm, a wee bit. Yeah. Um, You know, like, yeah, I remember thinking about that a lot in the early days. We were really worried about that. We were too long. But then um, I was talking to a friend of mine and she pointed out that it was like, well, look, you're already talking about a niche hobby, you're talking about a niche part of a niche hobby. The sort of people who are tuning in to listen to you really give a fuck about what you're saying. They're not going to mind sitting there and listening for a long time. You know, like the people who probably want shorter episodes are likely to be the people who are only interested in like a particular game review or a particular like so- t- topic that we're covering. The, re- the recurring listeners, the community that we've managed to build. And fuck me, what a community. They're the sort of people who actually really give a shit about a bigger chat. Um, so yeah. in yeah. the end, I think like I, th- I think if we weren't so conversational and we weren't so just naturally talkative, we wouldn't have gotten the community that we have because people feel like they're a part of a conversation when they listen to us and they feel more inclined to engage with us. I'm on a few discords for other Podcasts. To be fair, I don't look at them very often. I've got a ton of Discord servers I never look at, but I'm in a few mm-hmm. of them, and they don't have the same interaction we do. Those don't. Um, so I think we're quite yeah. fortunate that we've got this community that we've built. Um, yeah, And I, th- sure. I think part of that is just because un- fully unplanned, unintentional, nothing to do <laughs> with any of our plans, we just yarn and chat a lot and people yeah. come into it. <laughs>
2: Yeah. For sure. I think we also have um a th- I think what's what's kind of worked towards us being more successful than we thought we would be I think is also the as you said the niche area within a niche hobby, right? Um <laughs> there's a lot of D&D podcasts, there's a lot of OSR podcasts. There's a lot of um Call Call of Cthulhu or horror-based podcasts. Um but it doesn't feel like it kind of feels like we're the only ones who are specifically focusing on non-DN like non-epic fantasy and not just horror, but everything that's kind of a bit more well, dark and grim, obviously. Um and there's a lot of people interested in that, clearly. Um hmm. probably not as much as D&D. Like if we became a DD podcast, we'd be way more successful potentially, but um neither of us are interested in that. So, you know, fine. Um and yeah, within the like the Warhammer community at the time when fourth edition had been announced, there was I remember looking at podcasts and you know, current podcasts that, that at the time. And old, the Old World podcast, I think, had just started around when, the same time we had started. They started when 4th Edition was announced, and they started with a retrospective on um, what was the Old World all about. They did this, like, you know, Old World 101. Um, and I remember listening to, to a couple of those early episodes and thinking, okay, well, they're very, very much focused on War, Warhammer. Um, there weren't really any... Other Warhammer podcasts that were active at the time. There were some. There were some previous. Like there were some um, podcasts that had been done in the past that had shut down. that were specific. I think there was one called Small but Vicious Dog, of course. Um, and I can't remember now, but there were a couple of others. And some of them, like you had to, you couldn't find the episodes anymore. You could just find people referencing them because the episodes had come down, et cetera, etc. And um, and there were a lot of. There are actually some actual play ones too. But in terms of discussing Warhammer there were very few. And so it kind of felt like at the time, it felt like a good idea to create something that encompassed Warhammer, did a discuss- did discussion and not actual play, and then um, also kind of st- like branched out a little bit and didn't just look at, at War- Um And that Absolutely. also for me was because I really wanted to look, I mean, you can see our first review title, our first interview was with Tomas from Free League, I, I was and still am a big free league fanboy, and I really wanted to interview, um, free league and look at their games and talk about their games too, and um, so that's also why I kind of wanted to branch out a little bit, uh, when I was first. Again, Liam said that i I tried starting a podcast before I got in touch with him. Um, that's our byline was actually what I was originally going to call the podcast, a podcast dark and grim. Um, I even had some graphics made up for it. And everything looked really cheesy you now when I look back at them, and. I remember sitting in front of my microphone for at least an hour, recording, stopping, starting again, starting again, and just be like, this does not fucking work. How do people record themselves all alone for 20 minutes and not sound rambly and like just whatever. And um, I could I could do it now. In fact, I, I've done some solo stuff. I've done some, uh, some stuff on my YouTube channel where I'm just by myself. And that comes with obviously learning, you know, being comfortable doing this sort of thing, but at the, at the beginning it was just like, "Fuck, I can't do this." I need if I'm going to do a podcast, I need a co-host. Um, and that that was right at the same time that we were starting to talk and everything. And I found out you were in the, that podcast, and yeah, it just works. It just kind of seemed like we hit a niche. I remember also looking; I was I was really interested in metrics at the beginning and thinking like, "Okay, how are we going to know if we're if we're doing all right or if there's any points like if if we start recording stuff." And five or six sessions in, nobody's listening to us. You know, at what point is it a waste of time and we should just realize like, there's, there's really no audience, well, let's stop. And I couldn't find any information. I remember reaching out to some other tabletop role, I'm not gonna say who, but I reached out to maybe two or three other podcasters um, in the tabletop scene and asked them if they would mind sharing like some of their, some of their download numbers. And they all said no. Some of them said they not They they like they weren't comfortable doing it. Some of them said that because of data protection they couldn't do it, which is bullshit. Um, <laughs> and it's just like okay, nobody wants to share this information. Like I just I'm just interested because I'm starting one. Like to know what the like you know roughly what what what's I a, like what's a good goalpost goal, or yeah. yeah, and that's why I was really keen from the beginning. If anybody ever asked us about our numbers, I'm happy to share them. We've posted it on Twitter before we've had this um, this spreadsheet available from the very beginning for um to people to look at i think we mentioned it in one of our christmas or our, one of our january episodes in the past too but anyway um the the one thing i did found find then i had to go to to google and do some deep podcast searching and there were some websites that seemed to be talking about most podcasts are niche of course you get people podcasting about knitting and pokemon and whatever right um very, very specific niche topics. And if you can consider that your podcast is doing well in a niche area, if you are getting 200 downloads after your first 30 days. So I was like, okay, that seems to be like the general, that's, that's very like heavily caveated general advice, but it's the only number I've got. And the, I, as a result, that for me was thinking, okay, we're doing all right if we can hit 200 downloads eventually. Like if after f- after five or 10 episodes, we're at a 200 downloads, then all good. And was very pleasantly surprised when our first episode broke two hundred. Two weeks, after two weeks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So for me, that was like that was a really that was a big personal achievement. Um, And I know I was I was like talking to to you, Liam, at the time and saying like I was really excited about it. Like two hundred, we broke a two hundred already. And uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, So yeah, that was that was very very good for motivation and kept us going. So. Absolutely. Anyway, we're doing a lot of we're doing a lot of uh, or I'm doing a lot of reminiscing on the beginning. Um. <laughs> no, because I think we're quite <laughs> fortunate too, because
1: we did have access to like the Ratcatchers Guild was booming. Um,
2: yeah, it was. Yeah, sure. and I mean,
1: I mean, to this day, it's that and like the Reddit are the two go-to places for Warham Fantasy roleplay now online. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like we we handed over control of that a long time ago. Um, we we moved on yeah. from running that because it was just chaos. Um, but no. um, and it wasn't really what we wanted to do. We did it because there was a hole, and and, and yeah. people were talking about it, and we decided to make one, and then it, it blew up, and it was really handy, and that it helped us like you know launch this podcast and things. We had a, access to a good audience, Um and when we started straying into other stuff, we had access to good audiences there too. So very early, we sort of. We really got like this the Swedish, you know, sort of free league audience on side and we had the yeah. Warhammer audience on side. And yeah. um from there it just sort of grew. And it wasn't until um, I think much later when we started covering I think we got we got a few people come on board when we started doing like the months of madness things for Call of Cthulhu. Um, but then when we started covering OSR, we saw another boom of people joining up as well yeah. and um yeah, it's interesting like the, the the mix of communities of people we've got coming in and, and sort of engaging with us. At least as far as our Discord and sort of social media communities go, that's how we sort of have to judge the people listening to us. That's all we get.
2: Yeah, for sure. But, um,
1: yeah, and at first we just wanted to like did I, did we have interviews planned from the get go? I think we did. I think we had a big long yeah, list yeah. of
2: interviews before we even started. I remember. I remember. Um, having been in touch with a bunch of people at the start, like I emailed a bunch of people when we had figured out um, that we were going to be a podcast before we think we would even recorded our first episode. Um, I reached out and contacted a bunch of people.
1: I actually remember this. One of them was Graham Davis. And knowing that you had already reached out to Graham Davis was one of the things that made me go, fuck it, I'm going to make a podcast of this guy. I actually even messaged (laughs) Sean being like, I've got a chance here to talk to Graham fucking Davis. But I have to start this podcast. And Sean's yeah. like, well, you're going to have to do it, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember that. That was definitely like the seeing that being like, okay, this guy's not fucking around. Because on the previous one, we talked about it, but it was one of those things where if I wasn't doing it, it wasn't getting done. And I'm not great at organising this shit. We're quite lucky that Matt does a lot of the actual admin organisational shit in the background. I just take care of the audio because that's my strength. And I'm not I'm not nearly organised enough for the rest of it. But um, so going from something really like like from that side of it where it was like lots of ideas and very little action to something like this where you're coming along going, here's a list of people I want to talk to. And I was like, oh, fuck, okay, sweet. We're, we're aiming for the sky then. Um,
2: and Yeah.
1: Yeah, it, fucking, it worked.
2: it worked they wanted to talk to us Uh, that that was that was the really interesting thing as well for me that was the exciting thing was we had we had a podcast at the beginning where we couldn't give any figures i would say we're just starting off this is what we're this is what we're doing this kind of the email i was putting together and saying we want to we want to talk about such and such would you be willing to come on and talk to us and a lot of the people i reached out to said yes and I can see why it's like a bit of time. At the time I was also saying short form. So like 30, 30 minute interviews. So, you know, for a lot of people thinking, oh, I've just come on for 30 minutes and have a chat and plug my product um, and talk about creating it. Yeah, why not? Um, I could totally see it myself. Like, why? yeah, easy, easily done. Um, a good use of, of some of your time and hopefully result in some extra sales or whatever, right? If you think about mm-hmm. it from like a business perspective, it's good marketing. Um, but for me at the time, it was like, oh my God, And I remember emailing you back like, oh, my God, oh, my God, they're going to talk to us. (laughs) Just like, they actually want to talk to us. We're going to talk to some of the creators of the the shit that we like. And, yeah, 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 it was, it was, again, really, really motivating to see that. Um,
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It It was an endorsement, right? Like some of those things where someone's happy to come and talk with you, they're sort of, they're happy to be associated with your brand, which... It's nice, especially when you're a fucking nobody. But also, it's nice now, three years later, that we are worthy of talking to, and that we haven't fucked up anything or burnt any bridges yet. You know, like for the most part, when we ask <laughs> people to talk part. to us, when we talk, ask people to talk to us, they want to talk to us. Um, it's very rare that they. Well, we've, we don't really have people say no. We just maybe don't hear back from people occasionally. Um, in which case, well, you know, it's their fault if they get a bad review. So. <laughs> no <laughs> but um you know, it's uh yeah it's 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 been cool it was it was it really helps to um give us shit to talk about Cause we are like we are a niche within a niche, but at the same time, actually what we talk about is very broad right like g m advice interviews reviews, like we actually do a lot of shit within this niche of a niche and um, mm. I, I remember thinking early on, surely one of the things will float to the surface as this is what people want, and that is what we'll do. Um, and in a way, kind of like people really like our interviews, but we just we couldn't do every episode being an interview. So we, and we like our review interview sort of format that we do. So, um, but I remember thinking early on, surely it'll over time. We'll go from this big broad spread of shit that we talk about, and it will narrow down to like the one thing we do. And I was thinking it's probably going to end up being GM tips. Um, and in hindsight, <laughs> um, no, I mean we do talk GM tips, but yeah, you know, a whole bunch of stuff.
2: Um, yeah, but I'm I, GM toolbox. If you look at our metrics, our GM toolbox series is the most downloaded in terms of average downloads, but it's mm-hmm. also kind of skewed because we've only started that specific series recently like i'm only looking at it from the end of last year i think was the first one yeah uh april so a year ago so but but from april a year ago like for the whole of last year we only did two of these and then we started we've really up the up the pace and done a bit more this year mm. so, and those were that was at a time like starting around that time last year we were kind of hitting the average of of near uh, 2020 our average for the entire year was a thousand a thousand downloads after 30 days and our GM toolbox is a little bit higher than that so I, th- I do think that the GM stuff is really popular it obviously from the from the download figures it is also really popular they're not the most downloaded episodes we've ever done um those definitely are the interviews um just because people like listening to like we obviously will pull in a lot of people from specific like from non non-usual listeners who come in and they'll listen to an interview with their favorite uh, game designer. Yeah. Uh, so that's to be expected, and that will probably continue as well. Absolutely. Um. But yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I mean, like obvious examples of that, you know, is like um, when we did, you know, like Sean McCoy was a big one. That got up on the OSR, read it right, and yeah, was just was fucking huge.
2: Um. Yeah, <laughs> people were all over there. That was our f- that was our first episode to break two thousand as well downloads, which is yeah, also pretty big. Yeah, um, so
1: that was that was really interesting. Um, and it is mm. overall our numbers are interesting too because one thing which I wasn't sure if we were doing the right thing, and this is sort of a segue into the next thing on our Trello, we started doing actual plays, right? Mm. And we didn't a lot of other channels separate their actual play content content into a separate channel, so you have your talky shit here, your actual play shit here, because generally the audiences of the two don't overlap a hell of a lot. And it's, for the people who do overlap, it's easy for them to follow one or the other. And I've always wondered if that was a, you know, would have been a better choice, but I guess for convenience, it was definitely a lot easier just having just the one. Um, And it was one of those things where, Actual plays always trend downwards over the course of their life. The first episode's massive, yeah. second episode's but yeah. smaller and they trend down and that ends up skewing the metrics on it um, and they inevitably end up being less listened to than our regular um, sort of episodes. But at the same time, I mean, I don't know, just throwing that, like we, we asked our community a couple of times and everyone's like, nah, fuck it, keep them all in one place. So we did. Um, and it seems to be working all right our actual plays have been awesome I've really enjoyed them I actually yeah. really I was thinking this today Um, the Valley of Blood episode I finished editing today and uploaded was I actually said it at the start of the episode when I was doing my little intro or record for it one of the funnest experiences I've had in an RPG in a long time Um, and like getting to edit a thing I'm not going to spoil it By the time you listen to this, it's already out. So go and listen to it (laughs) if you're listening. Um, It's episode seven.
2: Yeah. uh, yeah.
1: But basically I play around with the fact that we're recording online and it's really easy to make players mute themselves so they can't hear what I'm discussing and then playing around with sound effects to accentuate the conversation that's happening and try and make it quite spooky and things. Um, It worked out Mm. really, really well. I was really happy with it. but um, Because I was never a fan of actual plays. In the past, mm. like uh, watching them, fuck me. Like listening to them, I I couldn't do that. You want me to listen to someone else have fun for two hours? That's not my idea of fun. And then <laughs> we decided to give it a go. I can't even remember. I know we st- obviously we started a Carrying Company. And it was quite early on too. That was episode number, um, sorry, Coriolis, episode number 19.
2: How, yeah, it was it was quite early on. How early year, on sure. did
1: we decide that we were gonna do actual plays? It was your idea, if I think.
2: Yeah, I think because of Coriolis, um I really wanted to run Coriolis because I had never I never had before. Mm. And I thought, well this you know, this could be a really good thing to play to run for the show and if I keep it to a short campaign, um we can gauge how how well it works, like whether there's pop, like whether it's a popular idea, and whether people are listening to it. Um, and yeah, that's that's why we started it. But we did actually, we added it to the the weekly runtime. So it was we were doing every single week there was a normal episode, and then in the week, every week there was an actual play. So we were releasing two two episodes every week, one actual play and one non, and I think it was. I think by the time we'd finished it, yeah, like the last episode of *Coriolis* had like three or four weeks between it and the previous one, because it was just took a lot of time. I think it took time for me to to do the initial edit to get it to, to get it to Liam, and then it took Liam time to uh, to do the mastering on it. Because for the *Coriolis* one as well, I was doing all the editing myself, um, like all the 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 main edit where I was like chopping out the ums and the the gaps and that kind of thing. And I had no idea what I was doing. I remember starting off doing it in Audacity and it f- just took fucking ages. And anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, we quickly realized after that, I think I think with Carrying Company, we, did we continue the trend? I think we might've done. We did. I'm just looking at the numbers again. So at the start of Carrying Company, I think we were doing exactly the same thing. And because Carrying Company was so long, it was like 24 episodes, um, we got somewhere somewhere. In there, we we realized that we had bitten off more than we could chew. Um, I had to have some hard conversations with my wife about how much time the um, podcast was taking, and yeah, we basically made the decision that we needed to we we couldn't we couldn't sustainably keep doing two episodes every no. week because um, that was caring company started right as
1: we're like about to delve into the whole months of madness and things. So yeah. Like yeah. that was a busy period for us. That was a real busy period. We had a lot of shit going on, scheduling a lot of interviews and things. Interviews are always a scheduling, um, I would not say nightmare, a, a difficulty. Um, yeah. So yeah. it was, it was interesting. That whole time was really interesting. And then we shifted to we're still doing was it weekly episodes, but the actual play was every few weeks. I think. Well, we we're doing three weeks of normal episodes and took a week off. And every other week we had an actual play going, yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that
2: just didn't work either. No, um, no
1: it fucking Because it up. was like,
2: it just didn't make, it just was not convenient at all to be like, to stick to such a strict schedule, like three weeks on, one week off, three weeks on, one week off. And it's like, well, is that recording, is that recording schedule or is that release schedule? What the fuck is it? Like, <laughs> because the, the main thing was like, we just needed, we just needed to be able to spread things out a little bit so that we had a bit of breathing room. We had some time off to spend with our, our loved ones. Um, and that also didn't work. And in the end, it was just kind of like, okay, we're just, we eventually got back to doing weekly with no gaps or like a gap every now and again. It was like, we just had seven weeks straight and now we're having the one week off. It's like how this three three week on, one week off doesn't really work. Um, and then I think eventually that we just decided around Christmas time, this, this last Christmas was that Um, we're just going to stick to, we're going to stick to weekly and every now and again, if we slip, we miss a week, that's what it is. That's just, that's just life. And we're not going to be a slave to, um, you know, trying to, trying to hit a specific schedule that we could tell that we're going to tell people, we're just telling people it's a weekly podcast and that's it. And if we miss a week or we slip behind a little bit in a week, it is what it is where we, we both have, um, you know, have jobs and lives outside of this. And yet we're still managing to mostly hit it. So yeah, I don't think, I think maybe I, cause we had this, we had this discussion. I remember right at the beginning, Liam, you were saying um, from the people you talked to and from your own podcast research and stuff, when you started uh, chasing, was it chasing dragons? Is that what it was called? Yeah. Uh, after dragons. After dragons. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, was like consistency is key. Like if we need to pick a day of the week that we're going to release on every, every week, and that's, that's our release date. And if we miss that, we're gonna lose subscribers and stuff. And I think we were very religiously sticking to that at the beginning. I remember like the first, probably for the first, like not quite year, but like we started in June. So the first half year up to Christmas, I know we were we were pretty religiously trying to keep to that, um, That's that kind of idea. And then when it started slipping, we were like, okay, we need to keep to this, like we need to release on a Sunday or whatever it was. Um, Three weeks on one week off can help us to hit that it gives some stability to our viewers etc and then eventually we're just now we're just like whatever it'll come out when it comes out yeah we try to stick to weekends if we can but um it is a little bit chaotic but we're still mostly weekly and i th- honestly i think we've gotten to the point now where we're well known enough that it doesn't it's actually it doesn't really matter too much yeah but I, I think maybe if you're starting off it probably is a little bit more important
1: oh yeah i do think right like I, I forget the guy's actually I want to say his name's David or something. but one of our early supporters who has a relatively big Twitter following. Um, his name is Asako So or something. On oh uh, yeah yeah he was one of our early supporters over on um, Twitter, and um he, he so much so that he actually came and played with you at UK Games Expo. Um, yeah. Yeah, And I remember seeing him comment once, there was like a, a thread uh, where someone's like, hey, tell me about your RPG, whatever, like like the podcasts that you want to listen to. And he was like rattling off a couple. We clearly it consumes a lot of podcasts. And he was rap- rattling off a couple. He's like, oh, these ones are every week. And these ones, he goes, I haven't been able to figure out these guys' schedules yet, but they're really good. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, fuck yeah. it. Like, might as well just own it at this point.
2: Yeah. <laughs> We can't keep to 30 minutes. We can't keep to a we can't keep to a day of the week. It is what it is. Um yeah. That's and that's fine. I think honestly that's 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 lowered the stress levels I think from both of us considerably. Yeah. Um not really trying to stick to that because it is quite stressful. It it has been very stressful over these last 3 years when we have tried to stick to a specific day of the week. It's definitely, it's it's, it's
1: saved my relationship too because like Julia does a lot of editing. I edit all of the podcast, all the actual plays and and I master all episodes and Julia um, does all the mixing and editing for our non-actual play episodes. And when we had so much shit going on, all we were doing was this editing content. Um, And I remember at one point thinking, if this woman leaves me, this podcast is fucked. (laughs) We we can't sustain this. If she leaves me, we're fucked. And I don't know how happy she is about our current arrangement. So, um, so, you know, now that I've tied her into a 30-year debt with me, it might be a bit different. um, (laughs) uh,
2: (laughs) That was the reason behind the mortgage. Uh Aha, gotcha. But, um,
1: yeah, like... uh, Definitely reducing the, the workload's been, been, been really fucking important. But um, yeah. I do want to talk a bit more about actual place because um, mm. <laughs> it feels like everyone who listens to us, I mean, there's that diehard community that listens to everything that we do. But yeah. most people, <laughs> when you ask them, hey, how did you get into the channel? It was like, oh, they, they interviewed so-and-so and then I started listening to all their other reviews and interviews or... They did this po- this actual play called Carrying Company, <laughs> and, and then yeah. and then I started listening to that, um, and and yeah. it was it was huge. Um, fuck me, uh, Carrying Company was nuts. Um,
2: Absolutely, it was. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty. It was pretty bonkers. I think. Um, I'm trying to remember when it first came out, like we. We had hit 1,000 downloads, just from a metrics perspective, I remember looking at this. Like we had done Coriolis at, at the time, and Coriolis had was getting between 300 and 400 downloads in the first 30 days, which was on par at the time with all of our other content, all the other content that was being mm. released. But every time we had an interview or a review, which was every month, was it at the mm-hmm. time? At the beginning it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, those would see a, a slight spike in the number of downloads. So we're like, okay, so. Oh, clearly the interviews and the reviews are, are really popular. Everything else is bringing in about 400 by the time Coriolis had started in October mm. um, And then we had a couple of like we did the we did our 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 biggest session uh, episode at the time was the um, the time that we had both Pruitt and Jim back on to look at fourth edition versus second edition where I was on as well yep. and that was our first episode to break a thousand a thousand um, downloads. And then after that we had a couple of big ones for Bin Lands review we had 1200 downloads etc um by the time Cory uh carrying company had started carrying company was hitting 900 episodes downloads for the first download sorry for the first three um for the first three first three episodes yeah. and it was quite clear that was like double all the other content at the time outside of these like these one off big reviews or whatever and it was quite clear from the beginning that that it was resonating with people we were getting a ton of feedback we were getting more feedback on Carrying Company in terms of social media or people reaching out to us than anything else. Yeah, Like we would occasionally get people saying, oh, I listened to that review, it was really good. And like maybe one person, maybe two, um, the download numbers kind of spoke for themselves, but people actually reaching out to us and saying, holy shit, Carrying Company is great was was massive. It was massive. And yeah, I think that's that's when we realized we were onto something special there. Absolutely. And also like,
1: it's just, yeah, everything about like, we were lucky that we had a really good games master. We really good crew in general, like like we were we were having fun, which I think is huge. Yeah, this is a lot of actual yeah. players, and you can tell that people are performing a wee bit. And this one, we were all genuinely just having a great fucking time, um, and yeah, and it, I think that came across. And then it sort of, I, I know for my editing, I managed to sort of hit my sort of nirvana when it came to sound design and like sound effects and things and get it set I always wanted our actual place to sound kind of like a um, radio drama. And I feel mm-hmm. like carrying company is, is when sort of really started to sort of get to that point where I was like, okay, now I have an idea of what an, a mud and blood actual place sounds like. Um, and yeah, it's a, uh, uh, the whole thing just come together really fucking well. People loved it. Um, Still do. Like, if you go back and look at contemporary downloads, like, those things are still – people are going back and checking it out. (laughs) It's still still popular. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The most popular Warhammer actual play online, as far as I can tell, every time I see people in the Facebook group (laughs) or whatever asking for actual plays to listen to – this is not me to my own horn – I, to be fair, I haven't seen it this in a few months, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if Garblag Games or one of those sort of ones have overtaken us since then. But at the time, we would get twice as many recommendations than anybody else. Every time someone was asked, asking, Hey, what should we go listen to? It was always carrying company, which makes me quite proud. Like like being quite sort of like wow, I went from yeah. just being a a consumer of Warhammer stuff to being involved in like a definitive piece of it. Um that was quite
2: I, I think a huge part of that is the—I mean, for sure, for sure, having a good games master and having a good crew is a big part of its success. But hooking people in from the start, I think the big part of that is the amount of time we put into, um, you know, quality control for these episodes. Mm. And I mean, I did it. I did a hell of a lot as well on Coriolis, um, and also on Colt. So the way the way we split this is when. Um, when I'm like running or I'm the only one involved in an actual play, I do the the initial editing. I don't I don't can't remember what the term is for that. Mixing, I think, is what you said. Mixing, yeah. Um mixing so is for the audio the... and
1: then editing is for the chopping.
2: Yeah. Oh, the cha- the yeah. editing then. Yeah. Um so I do the I do the initial editing for, for Colt and for Coriolis. And we put a ton of time. Like I was I remember talking about it in Discord at the time when I was doing Colt and saying for me alone, for for editing a one hour episode of Colt. It was taking me five to six hours of editing time. Now I'm sure, um, Liam and Julia can do that in maybe even half the time, like less time, but still it's like, they're still putting hours and hours in for one hour of content. And that's, that's, I know, I know Julia's doing that for, um, our normal content as well, not probably to quite the same level because the, the actual plays have lots of different audio feeds. Then they get the sound effects. Um, when I'm editing Cult, for example, I'm going through and I'm putting flags down for Liam saying, um, you know, I want, uh, we should have like, um, the music, the music should change here for such and such a tone, um, a sound effect for a door being broken down. So it's making Liam's job a little bit easier to put the sound effects in, but that also means I have to be really like focused on the, not just on editing and chopping bits out, but also on thinking about transitions in terms of that sort of thing. Um, we've got into a nice, I, I feel like that was a, a really nice, um, workflow but it still is a ton of effort yeah. and i think i think the the thing is that people don't see that with other podcasts because it's a bit insane to be fair <laughs> like we're we're putting in like we're, we don't we don't make a lot of money from patreon right um and like if you think about the number of hours we're putting in it is it is absolutely bonkers and i think we're churning these out at least two two a month um on top of all the other stuff we're doing it is a lot of work and I, that's why I think just nobody does it because it is a, it is a oh, bit. Absolutely. Like
1: if you ever go and look at any sort of um, articles on how to make a podcast, they will encourage you to be super quick, super low input, all that sort of stuff, and, and just do a quick turnaround. Um, and effectively, Wait. what you get with most podcasts is the raw downloads that we produce, which we send off to... Um, Patrons, right? That's the quality that most yeah. podcasts will give you. And to be honest, for nine out of 10 listeners, that's probably fine. I'd imagine that if we were just yeah. to go forward with that and cut all this editing out, we probably wouldn't see a massive drop in our listeners, um, especially for our regular episodes. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> but there's a couple, of, a couple of caveats there. One, um, Every other podcast does that. We don't want to be like every other podcast, especially when it comes to our actual plays. I'd much rather be up there with um, Red Moon role-playing and shit when it comes to an overproduced sort of actual play than um, every other one where you can hear John over there eating chips and this motherfucker sipping his tea and shit. I don't want that in my life. You don't want that. (laughs) I don't want that. None of us want that. So we we get rid of that. Um, But also, like, I've always been a believer that, if you're going to do something, do it right and do something that you're proud of so that you can point to and say, hey, I fucking did that. And if you had a friends list like mine over on Facebook, which to be fair, my Facebook isn't very um, gaming oriented. I don't actually really bother like promoting us too much over there or anything because most people are like, what the fuck's this? They're all musicians. But when I do share <laughs> stuff over there, I'm sharing it knowing that like audio engineers are going to listen (laughs) so I want them to listen and go oh I don't want them to to give me a hard time for just using a shitty gate and just releasing something good enough Um, yeah so I I definitely think like with the actual plays it's a minimum of three hours in for every hour we output Um, minimum um, but I think it's worth it and I think the success of our actual plays speak for themselves um on that one because yeah, sure. people, people seem to dig them. We get a lot of comments on, on the quality. A lot of people go on about how great they sound and how atmospheric they are. And it seems like once every month or two, I've got someone asking me, hey, what's that backing track you used in this song? That sounds awesome and shit. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, yeah, well, that, that's good enough for me. That keeps me happy. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. And we're, I, we're, we're really enjoying the actual place too. Um, yes, yeah, absolutely. I think um we're recording season two of of um Carrying Company now. And I, I wrote to Sean in a DM yesterday. i just trying to think what day it is. Fuck, it's been it's been a busy week. <laughs> um and I was telling Sean that this this current see I mean we're only we've only recorded three episodes, yes. right? But this current this current season of Carrying Company is the best campaign I've ever been in <laughs> hands down. And <laughs> wow. I was saying like first season of carrying company, I I really enjoyed. I probably would have been one of my favorites as well, but one small thing for me that kind of just nipped that in the bud is the, the whole angle of oh, spoilers, but the whole undead angle from the second half, I personally, like I, I don't really, I'm not into undead um, in games. Like I don't generally run games that have an undead in them. It kind of, I don't, like, we're playing games about elves, as everyone always says, but for me, there's just something about the undead that's like, I'm happy for them to be, a, like, a feature every now and again, but I don't, like, if a campaign's built around them, I kind of lose a little bit of interest myself. Um, so for me, as a player, like, I really love that campaign. I really love what happened with Kurt's, um, with Kurt's like, arc as a as my PC. But also, like, this one, I guess it's a minor spoiler <laughs> for Season 2 that it's not really focused on the undead, Um just everything about this 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 second season is just hitting all the boxes for me there's so much tension it's so fucking brilliant mm-hmm. um yeah it's it's hands down like the best the best gaming experience i've had so for me that like th- these actual plays are introducing me to some of the best role-playing experiences i've ever had myself and for that it's been worth it right mm-hmm. absolutely know. Not to, not to cast shade on anybody who's been in a campaign of mine or my home group. Um, but my, like my home group are some of my best friends and we're very much a beer and pretzels style home group. We started off with D&D. There are seven of us now in this group and at times it'd been up to 10. So you just can't have the same sort of like intimate sort of uh, role-playing sessions when you've got a big group of people. Cause someone always brings the cheese, right? Mm. And that really, you know. It makes it fun and memorable, maybe, like, to have these big fights with whatever, dragons or whatever. But it's, like, it's just not the same as a really moody, tense thing where you're, your character's being given these impossible choices. You're pissing off the other PCs, and yet you keep plodding along because because that's that's what you've got to fucking do. Mm-hmm. And just, like, me as a player, I mean, I, I remember, like, stopping when we were recording that last session and being like, Shit, like... I feel like such a bastard here, but fuck it. Like push through, man. This is, this is, this is the tension I'm feeling as a player, the tension that my player character is going through. And it's, it's fucking incredible. And Sean is, Sean is a master at, at like difficult choices. And all, and, Sean's
1: also all about oh, player conflict, right? Like every campaign I've been yeah. in, he's really good at like, okay, these are the motivations. These and Like, it's not like we play games like Power by the Apocalypse where motivations are a core part of your Written character, down. but he still picks yeah. out, okay, Here's you know this is the the angle he's taking for that character. This is the angle she's taking for that character, and I drive a wedge in the middle of that, and it works. And he's really good at like red hearings yeah. and giving one person information <laughs> and not everyone else and shit like that. He throws all that in there, and then you end up with situations like what well, we've got. Uh, I'm fucking loving this new season. I'm looking forward to people hearing it just because yeah that you you could you can yeah. cut the tension of the knife and that's that's yeah. ignoring the <laughs> broader background shit that's just the inter-character tension is strong
2: Yeah. (laughs) oh yeah
1: and it's like one of these things it's like uh, this reminds me of like um, (laughs) Revenant where you're like you're just waiting for these two characters to start start swinging at each other
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah he thought the tension between Kurt and Frederick was bad (laughs) just too fucking late oh it's good it's really good it's
1: gonna be it's gonna be good I'm looking forward to people hearing it I'm looking forward to editing it as well um Cause yeah, it's been great. It's, yeah. it's, it's good stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: Cool. So yeah, actual plays. I mean, it, that's that changed the that changed the face really of of the of the show um, from just being just being about you know G, you know gming stuff or talking about. We did a lot of Rup, um content at the beginning we as well, um, but we always never wanted to focus on Wolfrup. Mm. So we kind of went from that to kind of like it felt a little bit like we were trying to, we were trying desperately to think about topics to talk about um, in between interviewing people. Yeah. To then adding the the, the actual plays into the mix. And then once, once we decided, okay, these aren't gonna be extra on top of a weekly thing, they're gonna be part of the weekly schedule. Um, that's when it all kind of connected, I feel. Absolutely. That's when it all came
1: together. Yeah, because I, I remember back in the day, we used to always have Whiff-Rip as a fallback. If we don't know what to talk about, talk about whiff And we'll figure out a, a, sub, <laughs> a subject and we'll do it. Um, and I'm glad that that sort of stopped. Especially once we would played a campaign of it and stuff. I was like, fuck, if we keep talking about this too much, I'm going to get burnt out. It's nice to reference it, but... Um, you know, there was yeah. only so much you could talk, especially after we'd sort of done that revisit and upset heaps of people. I felt like it would have been a bit cheap for us to keep <laughs> talking about uh, about it. But, um, yeah, having the alternating weeks and also getting into the, like, the old uh, review, uh, interview review cycle, but also the new one where we sort of jammed them together, which we've only done that, I think, once so far, but it's been really popular. Yeah. Um, I really like, like I like mixing up because interviews. I don't, you don't need to do a hell of a lot of prep for them. Generally, quite mm. comfortable talking to whoever comes on. Just got to do a bit yeah. of background research. you normally know most of the people we're bringing on, or know their work, or are familiar with yeah. their work. Yeah. Um, or at the very least, we're reading it for review. Um, so you get to have some really good talks. Although, in saying that, sometimes the people you you know the least are some of the more interesting talks. Like talking to um, mm. story brewers about. Um, alas for the awful sea that's a great interview i love that it was awesome yeah. um yeah. and i didn't know them from adam you know um but it was
2: really good yeah same that's actually a good point because that was a that was a bit of a wild card like yeah um i was a kickstarter backer for alas and that was that was back when i had my power by the apocalypse collection phase <laughs> um I was kind of got into dungeon world I never had run or played any of them at the time I just kind of like liked the idea mainly the kind of collaborative world building side of things and like bought backed a lot of Kickstarters and stuff and alas had a lot of the things that kind of appealed to me and it fit in with the show but yeah I had I hadn't really not really didn't know what to expect from them um and we didn't even know like I don't think we swore on that episode that might be one of the few episodes where we we um, Where we didn't swear because I think um, I think I'd heard somewhere that they like they didn't they didn't really swear themselves and it was kind of like okay maybe we can be on on better behavior Mm. (laughs) Um, with them, but it was still a great yeah it was still a great episode Uh, it was still a great interview
1: absolutely yeah it was it was it was it was good it's funny because it's only a few months after the Rob Schreiber interview where it was this constant Mm. (laughs) swearing. That's true. I, I really want to get Rob back. I um I fucking loved talking to Rob. Eh? that was a great interview. I felt slightly sorry wow. for the guy by the end of it. I kind of want to give him a hug, but I did. <laughs> I did love it. He uh, was, it was genuinely great to talk to, and it's been interesting actually. There's you can there's a lot of people you can tell do a lot of interviews, right? Like a lot of people who just interview very well. Um, Ken height is yeah. an obvious one. Kenite, you get him on podcast and he'll just talk. That's why we've had him on twice. You you just need to point him in the direction of a microphone and you've got two hours of content. He's great. Um, Genuinely friendly guy too. Um, Genuinely like. Yeah. That's one of the cool things about this is I've been quite fortunate to meet a lot of people whose names I always knew and I always sort of fanboyed over a wee bit and then meet these people and be like, actually, they're really cool people. Yeah. And a few of them have yeah. since become friends and you know, or well, you know, as as much of a friend as you can be online and sort of we converse fairly yeah. regularly and stuff like that. Um and it's it's been neat. Um it's been really cool. But it's like Graham Davis was the big one. That was that was seven year old Liam creaming his pants that was a whole nother level of just (laughs) excitement you know what i mean like (laughs) knowing i get to talk to him not once but twice we had him on um yeah so that was that was awesome um
2: yeah mine was um getting the free league guys on yeah um because i'm obviously for me that they were the ones who got me really interested in it was mutant year zero that got me really back into role-playing games hard um in terms of like hacking stuff and just getting really excited about communities and stuff. Um, and getting to talk to them was a was a big highlight. Graham Davis as well, but I'd never I've never gotten deeply into the enemy within. Um, and I know he's one of the core writers of First Edition, but for me at the time it was like he's a big guy in the in the Warhammer community. Um, and I know I knew how big he was, but for me personally it was more like, well, cool. But Free League was for me was was the guys I was really excited about about talking to yeah um and and Rob Schwab yeah because I had run a campaign of I I'd, I'd kickstarted um, Shadow the Demon Lord and I had run a campaign of Shadow the Demon Lord and I remember um like I had, I was following Rob on Facebook and um yeah I, he was on Miwi at the time as well um so I was like following him on Miwi. And I thought he was just like for me, he was kind of like one of these really cool uh game designer guys. And uh like he d- he designed Game of Thrones RPG too. So it's kinda like, well yeah, cool, cool, man. Wolf Rip second edition, Game of Thrones, yeah. uh, you know, etc. And um yeah, and Shadow of the Demon Lord, of course. And then yeah, we had him on and he was a great it was a great chat too. So for me, those are kind of my th- those are kind of like my, my my um fanboy, my fanboy ones. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I always um I really liked it when we got to play games with the people who made the games. Um Oh yeah. 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 Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chris Like Frank. Yeah, Frank, Frank. Frank. From with hyperbatalarians, oh, fuck me, <laughs> such a good yeah. guy. I love doing the. I love, I love doing the editing for it because he had like creepy kids and he had toy soldiers of squeaky voices and all these things, which I just got to go to town to. Like, how am I going to make Frank sound like <laughs> a six-inch-tall wooden soldier? How am I, I going to make him sound like <laughs> twins talking in unison? <laughs> and, like all this sort of shit. <laughs> fuck! It was a lot of fun. <laughs>
2: yeah. It was. Frank Frank uh, the author of of he's um he was our very first Patreon supporter yeah. and I also met him at my first convention at the UK games Expo and he and I ran um, I ran pitchfork at the time back then at, in two games and he managed to make it to one of those games so I also got to run a game with him and I hung out like in the evenings in the evenings after the UK games Expo um I in fact I think I might have I think there was only one evening I was I was staying with a friend. I had moved to Germany already and I was staying with an old friend who lives in Birmingham. And so there was one evening free where I wasn't catching up with my old mate where um, I stayed and had some drinks and I had drinks with, with Frank and his, and his like posse of friends. And it was just, it was really great. Uh, Frank's a really cool guy. And um, yeah, it was really, it was really cool. Like getting to interview him and uh, you know, review hyperchilerians and also have him play have him run a game of hyperchilerians for us which It is a like, lot of fun Yeah, no, he's, for sure. he's
1: hilarious he's good people I have much love for frank and like yeah. it's everything about like because the game was awesome like the game he ran for us the actual game we reviewed it was one of those ones where it all sort of comes together you know um it was awesome yeah. for sure oh, man we got we got to yeah there's been some cool shit in here like i'm i'm just going back and looking through like
2: um in fact, um, just thinking about Sean Tompkin as well, because Sean ran Ironsworn. a um, a one shot for yeah. for Ironsworn yeah for you and Charlotte. Uh like a co op one, yeah. And for me as well, like um, Sworn is the first proper solo game that I'd mm. run, even though I'd had had Mythic for a long time, but I just it was a little bit too complex for me to ever get into and to take to the like to actually take to a desk and sit down and use. And Iron Sworn was the first time that I'd I'd actually run something. And then having him run a game in co-op so it wasn't he wasn't even gming he was basically like a a player alongside was also really really exciting because that's that was a first for me as a gaming experience rather than Mm. um just just having just having a game designer run a game for me um and that was really fun as well so yeah it's been like those have been some really big key highlights for me i think um you know having having the game designers on to actually run something or run something with with me um, for sure because well,
1: it really um it really encapsulates the whole like the reason we do our interviews and review structure the way we do is because we get the designer's intent then we get to play the game or review the game based on that intent which I think is important right we're not really tainting yeah. it too much of our perspective obviously a wee bit but we are listening a lot to what the creator wanted to do um, but when they run you the game it's like well this is how they also want it to run right like um, yeah. so that's that's awesome I always love it when that shit goes down um yeah absolutely now that's there's some cool shit i've I've really enjoyed too how over time we've talked less and less about like particular products we, we're we're not just reviewing to help promote a product these days as much we're also talking about like the nitty gritty of game design um uh, we're talking about mm-hmm. the, you know like recently how a Kickstarter's run things like that and having these more in-depth philosophical discussions in, in, a, in a way, like RPG sort of theory with a lot of these people, um, I found really interesting personally. And I was never sure how our audience would take that. Um, like obviously they loved it when we interviewed um, Sean McCoy and that was very much one of those sorts of episodes. It was very much like a let's talk RPG theory sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But then, yeah, yeah people haven't shied away from us just doing these really in-depth sort of topics that you know for a lot of our listeners might not even be relevant a lot of people might just be playing the games they don't really care about how they're made but people seem to seem to enjoy them um and I feel like that's just us diving into another niche within a niche within a niche within the niche um <laughs> but it's been cool yeah. to do that especially as both of us have been getting more and more into game design ourselves and I mean, again, like I'm looking at the numbers, right? Like Luke Gearing, we did an entire interview with him, just talking about um, random encounter tables, and that was a very yeah. successful interview. Um, you know, Chris McDowell, yeah. obviously, there's a lot of talking around game design there, and um, that did really well. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's 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 interesting yeah. how that stuff's gone. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been interesting to see what's been resonating for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think um going back looking at the beginning I don't I like we ha- our our target was to do weekly stuff to do short form content and to focus on wolfrup but not exclusively. Like that was at the beginning we, we did want to focus quite a bit on wolfrup. Yeah. Um and it's just like looking at it now 3 years later where we've come I th- I'm pretty happy with how we've evolved to to getting to the stage where we're at where' we're, it just feels natural like we've tried these different things out we've get, we've given them a really good a really good like innings with some of the things right and now it's like okay that's been we've done that got the t-shirt and now we've found we've found a like a, a nice little niche where um well not niche we found this nice groove I think um yeah and it's still fun I think for me that's the big big thing is if we're still having fun producing the show, then we're doing something yes. right. That when it stops becoming fun, I think is probably when the show's hit its twilight, and <laughs> we either need to shake the format up or it's just a natural time to maybe bring things to a close. I have no idea when that will be, um, if it'll ever happen. But you know, I can't. I don't necessarily see this 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 podcast happening until we're in our sixties. <laughs> <laughs> Never say never, right? I'm
1: sure Ken (laughs) Height once said that to Rob Laws, right? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, possibly.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Yeah, Yeah. because how many many episodes are there? I don't know, but they've won Best Podcast at the
1: Ennies like for 10 fucking years until they opted out.
2: So like... I don't even want to look it up. It's been a long time. (laughs) It's probably been close to 10 years or something. It's been at least 10 years, yeah. Yeah.
1: Like it's nuts. Yeah. (laughs) that's <laughs> nuts. Yeah. Um, that's the other thing that was actually surprising too is twice now on the in world, uh, you know, fucking podcast competition they do every year we've come fourth twice in a row, which is mm. surprising. Didn't yeah. didn't really expect it either time to be honest. Um, we just need to try and get ourselves an ini at some point. But that's the thing. We can't quit until we've got an ini at the. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, I'm not sure if that'll ever happen but we can't quit until the end. Um I think we might have actually I think we might have missed the two 2021 submissions oh shit hold on let me just have a look deadline is 1st of May I've got a week <laughs> okay all right we gotta enter all right I got a week I got a week to enter us into the uh, into the ennies for the uh, third third year running um <laughs> Okay, i let me just make a note out before I forget. <laughs> Hold on a sec. Okay. Shit. <laughs> yeah, we need to think of so the way the NEs work is we have to we have to you have to submit your own you have to submit yourself as a um as a contestant and you have to provide a um for podcasts, you have to you have to produce a a short audio clip of one of your episodes and that's for the judges I guess to to shortlist you as a nominee. Um, so I guess this year we need to think about what and it has to have been content within the last, like within the, the years of this current any's thing as well. Um, so I we'll have to think about what to submit. We've tried, we've never done actual play content previously. No. So I don't know what's, we'll have to, we'll have to have a think about this, Liam af- offline. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. Any submission. It's on my calendar now. Yeah. We'll figure something
1: out. We'll yep. figure something out um I got a week cool um so let me go back to our Trello what's some of the talking points we wanted to go on about
2: well you're just talking about the the en the n world um or en world however you want to however you want to say that the um fourth place competition I think for me that was also a big highlight was um the first time that that we had been kind of eligible for one which would have been 2019 mm-hmm. um the like the beginning of 2019 we started in 2018. Um, no, maybe it was a year after that. I think it might've been the year after that. I can't remember anyway. Yeah. Cause it's been two years now. So it had been January of 2019 and January of 2021. Shit. 2020 and 2021 then. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we got some nominations, somebody like, I didn't even know it existed. This competition. I don't really, I'm not really an EN world, um, follower no, or anything. That. Um, and yeah, somebody mentioned that we'd been nominated. I was like, Oh, that's cool. There's this, this competition with podcasts and stuff. Yeah, interesting. And then, like, fourth place. Um, that was a that was a big thing. Like, I remember telling my wife about it, and she was looking at me a bit funny, like, people actually listen to you <laughs> like talking about role-playing games? I was like, yeah, we got fourth place, but obviously it's, it's big. And she was, like, shaking her head, like, I just don't understand. I just don't understand. <laughs> I do
1: try and check my ego, because once you win, you can't be re-entered. So I'm like, okay, the reason we're not behind like Ken and Rob talk about stuff is because they already won. <laughs> but like uh, okay. still it's um clearly it's doing well, the fact that um we've been gotten in there twice at the same uh same ranking twice. And we we don't really prom- like we do promote it a wee bit like, hey, go here and vote, but not the same way that I've seen other podcasts doing it, which makes me feel good. We've never had to enter ourselves or prompt somebody to enter us we've always just been entered um by listeners um yeah so that's that's always nice i appreciate yeah. the support so
2: i think i think the only promotion we've done is i think both of us had, had sent tweets yes. out like oh hey we're, we've been nominated go here and vote and in discord we think we did yep. like an announcement on our that's discord it. server yep. like once um yeah
1: so it's it is really good when you see another channel which i won't name them but there's channels that promote themselves quite heavily that we've beaten <laughs> twice in a row. <laughs> and it does feel, feel good to know, especially because they've commented <laughs> that, <laughs> that we beat them again. <laughs> and that's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. That,
2: that bit is shining further <laughs> there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> But uh, no, that's that's all cool stuff. I think the other thing that like a highlight for me as well, or maybe less of a highlight, was the themed season of uh, the months of madness, um, because that was that became a beast that we had we had made too big. Yeah, yeah, um, did. And we're coming up to we're we're starting like in fact later this week we'll be recording our intro to forty k to do our second season um of of kind of normal content and that's going to be a season of all about warhammer 40k um but we've definitely got lessons learned like we're not trying to review every fantasy flight games uh you know 40k role-playing game no no (laughs) um we've got we've got interviews we've got two interviews this time one with rick Priestley and one with gav thorpe so two fairly big names i mean rick Priestley created 40k as a setting so pretty massive to have him on and agreeing to have Mm -hmm. an interview um but having them on to talk about 40K as a setting, I think is is going to be really cool. And then we're going to be reviewing uh, Wrath and Glory. And um, before doing a final recap at the end, having talked to all them, reviewed Wrath and Glory, we're then going to give our kind of mud and blood take on role-playing in the 40K universe. We're going to have Sean, our GM from uh, Carrying Company on, because he's run quite a few 40K campaigns. He's also a big fan. We're going to have him on as like a guest for that recap. Um, and we're going to talk about like it's kind of got to be like a GMing tip sort of episode, mm-hmm. I guess, um, but really just about like you know what our what our takeaway is for if you want to role play in the 40k universe, like what we'd recommend running and like for different types of theme and tone and you know that sort of thing. So I'm really looking forward to that. I think I think having that as a season where we're actually looking at um, five is it is five episodes no, six episodes hold on we got the recap. The intro and the recap, yeah, five episodes. The two interviews and the review. So five episodes is quite a lot, considering that they come out every every other week, right? That's like ten weeks of worth of content for our show, um, and yet it feels like a natural fit. We're we're not having to review a shit ton of of, of um, stuff like we did for Love, for our Lovecraft um, yeah. season, and yeah, I think we'll see how that turns out with like how we feel about it afterwards. But I could see us doing something similar in the future. Um, with other big IPs maybe that are coming out that we're really excited about, um, where we can talk about this sort of thing. I, I don't know what that might be. Maybe the One Ring or something and talk to, um, you know, because I know you're a big Tolkien fan. I'm a big Tolkien fan. Maybe something like that, or God, I don't know. Like, I think it's something to do once a year, maybe to think about doing, um, because last, for the Months of Madness, it was two hmm. years ago, and it was in the it was in the the northern hemisphere summertime, and it's a very similar sort of time we're doing this new one. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, I think um, that's been interesting as well. Like having tried that out, and we didn't do it last year, I think, because the months of madness was such a such a drain. It was it was really difficult. Um, but, Yeah, that's because we were reviewing. We review too much stuff. That was the problem. I don't know how many books in a very short period of time and having to
1: review re- means reading that was that was the issue just reducing that review load makes a huge difference i think um, Yeah. absolutely yeah. i don't know what else we could do a full season on
2: yeah i mean it have to be it have to be a big ip i think where you can um, bring in people from like a non role playing perspective and like i mentioned the one ring because that's obviously like it had a huge kickstarter um, mm. i haven't we haven't spoken to um, a friend is it francesco or federico i can't remember his name now um uh, the creator yeah. anyway uh, apologies, yeah. <laughs> apologies to everyone who's shouting at me right now <laughs> um but i've seen him in interviews on like some youtube interviews and stuff he's a he's a great he's a great guy to talk to he's uh, a cool game designer um and there's like so much extra content around the one ring or around sorry about the lord of the rings and the um middle earth that we could talk about and apart from that I don't know. Like, I just
1: don't know. You'd have to do like a broader theme, right? Like you could, yeah, like maybe like a sword and sorcery season or something like that. Like you delve into like a
2: subgenre. That gets. I think that's where it gets difficult. Like when we that that yeah. was the problem with with the months of madness is that there's so many games involved in a subgenre that yeah. It how do you how do you fairly only look at one or two games?
1: Well, you have to choose a game that. Or a, or a particular story, like, you know, say, Conan, although we've already reviewed that, Well, you have to choose something yeah. where there's a lot of people trying to emulate it, right? Like, um yeah. maybe you look at all the people trying to emulate traditional fighting fantasy, and, like, how are they doing it? You look at Troika, and we already looked at Warlock, but we can talk about Warlock and things like that. I don't know, you would have to find, like, here's yeah. a thing that people, like, that people are branching off of, and maybe we look into that. I don't know. Yeah, it's a tough one.
2: It's a it tough is a tough one. one. I think I think thinking about IPs is easier, but again, it's it's finding finding the right one that lines up nicely with time and stuff. Um but yeah, if you got suggestions uh for a, like a future theme, by all means hit us up in um on social media. Um Bartek in chat uh has just so our, our Patreons, one of our, our rewards for higher tier Patreons is uh supporters is that they can listen to episodes live. We've got we've got Bartek in here. Right now, he's just suggested cyberpunk, but that's also a huge, huge subgenre. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of interesting stuff to talk around. We haven't covered really anything cyberpunk-related on the show before. Um, and it would be cool to maybe talk to, like, our Talsorian, um, someone from them, about Cyberpunk 27, um, sorry, Cyberpunk Red, and the origins of of their game. But we have tried emailing them in the past, and they've not responded, so I'm not sure um, whether we'd, we'd, we'd be able to get them on. Mm. So yeah. Um anyway, anyway. We don't need to we don't need to try and figure that out now. <laughs> no, but forty K is coming up and it feels it feels like the right it feels like the right level of focus. Like five full episodes um seems like the right amount. Mm. And one game within that. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to that chat. Just um I've been really enjoying the nostalgic trip of going back and looking at this stuff. Like I have a tab open in my browser right now for a Tumblr called Gothic Punk. Um, it's <laughs> just a blog of all of John Blanche's artwork and oh wow, okay, wow, and uh, various like interviews and things he's done. And fuck me, like, at uh, this, this nostalgia trip is is huge right now. <laughs> like, um, yeah, the, the yeah, oh, some great stuff. I'm looking forward to talking about all this sort of thing, and yeah, it should, should be good. Um, what other lessons do you think we have learned there's not many things that we started doing and we stopped doing obviously we sorted out our schedule early on we've already talked about that I've yeah. noticed that there's certain things regular series we've sort of
2: let fall by the wayside long yeah. dark night is it ever yeah. coming back <laughs> um I'll be honest like for I know we have people who are interested in that series and we have we get it's not a lot of people but we've had a couple of people ask us in over the past maybe year since we've stopped doing episodes on that like are we planning on going back to it liam and i have kind of both aren't super interested in it anymore i don't know why i think from my perspective i think the setting's really um cool and a really cool idea i'd like to maybe go back and and flesh out the setting a bit more i think we hit something with the mechanics where it just didn't work for either of us
1: we're trying to be too clever i think
2: i think so i think we're trying to be too clever yeah I think in hindsight maybe because we had such an evocative setting I mean this could be this could be the return of the of that of that series could be you know how to reboot something that you've you've tried and you've hit a dead end and you thought it's just not working and from my perspective it would be ignoring the mechanics completely mm. going back fleshing out the world the setting the elements of the setting even fleshing out like um, adventure ideas and campaign ideas and things like that to have a look at. Okay, this is the setting. This is us putting a lot of cool ideas into it. This is the sort of stuff that's going to be happening. The plots, the 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 um, you know the tensions, etc. The factions that are at play. Okay, we've got a good idea for the setting. We've got a good idea for what a player character might look like in that setting in terms of a a person, not a set of mechanical um, stats or whatever how do we then put mechanics around that and i think at the time when we were started putting the mechanics around it was like we didn't this the setting was was relatively well established with some like bigger truths but we hadn't really done much more than that and i think that's kind of why it fell flat for both of us is we were just we were trying to be too clever we were doing mechanics for mechanic's sake and it didn't necessarily like even though we were trying to make it tie into the setting things like the um, like how are we doing skills and stuff? I don't know. Mm. it didn't really work. It didn't really work. and I don't know yeah I think I think if we reboot something like that it would it would need to be throwing out the, the all that stuff that we've done before and start from the beginning. maybe.
1: I do think one thing we should probably think about doing is when we do like a gm toolkit episode, maybe when mm. we give examples going forward, we should always try and ground those examples within the world maybe. And it'll keep it alive in our heads as an idea. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Um, ah, oh yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, I like that. I like it. So that. it becomes our, so keep...
1: oh, it becomes the 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 nameless default setting that we use as examples. Yeah.
2: yeah. Okay. So it's it it kind of remains or it becomes the the default mud and blood world. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Okay. Cool. So yeah. I mean, other than that, there are some other seasons we are some other things, I shouldn't say seasons, some other um series maybe that we tried to we tried to do and kind of um left by the wayside. One was the um the artist spotlights. Yes. And that has actually not really died, it's just evolved into the interviews that we're doing now. Yeah. Um we had Scrap Princess on, we had Graham Davis on. Um, ooh, who else did we have on for that? Is that it? Is it just the two of them?
1: Might be. I'm
2: gonna quickly look. Oh my god! If I've forgotten somebody, I'm gonna be really embarrassed. Dissident whispers. Okay, that wasn't one person. That was um, we Proof did call that, that an artist spotlight. Um, yeah. yeah. So we had we had three episodes in that in that series, and um, yeah, I think. Again, that was just something to try out and to be like a little bit specific. Like, let's try and get an artist on to talk to. We're now doing just general interviews. I would kind of argue that having um, Luke Gearing on for a chat was kind of like an artist spotlight. Absolutely,
1: yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. By having interviews that don't tie directly to products, I feel like we've taken mm. we've taken our traditional interview format and we've smashed it together with our other spotlight to make it much more flexible. Um, yeah. And I, I think that we knew it was a good idea, but just by having it separate from the regular interviews was the mistake. So I feel like it's still alive in in, in spirit. You know, it's just dead as a, as
2: a dedicated title of a of an episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's probably it, I think, from terms of series that we tried. It was the game design one. We did, we did have some GMing tips ones that evolved into the GM toolbox, which is what we're currently still running with. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think I think in height, like looking back, lessons learned and stuff. Really, the the biggest lesson learned that we that I've learned personally has been about, um, getting the the time balance right, the scheduling balance right, mm. and not letting it, you know, consume everything. Yes, because it got to a few points, like I think twenty nineteen, end of twenty eighteen, and then again in twenty nineteen. Um, it had gotten pretty bad. And then in 2020, with COVID, we, we kind of picked up pace again. Um, I think just because of having so much free time. And Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. That balance is important. Um, hmm. It's something which I'm currently struggling with because I the thing I didn't want to happen that ended up happening was I wanted to have finished recording Valley of Blood before... We started recording Carrying Company because I'm I'm editing that as well, and unfortunately, in this case, between scheduling with the players and then me going and buying a house and just life got in the way. Um, we still need to finish that campaign, so that's um. Mm. So I'm now recording the start of Carrying Company, recording the end of Valley of Blood, editing Valley of Blood, <laughs> and so it's, it's yeah, there's there's, ne- there's not really going to be much of a break in there um mm. realistically but that's fine it is what it is we'll work with it um mm. and just go from there you know but um overall having a good idea of what balance looks like and not having that pressure of we have to be done on this day and release on this day really helps in that department as well yeah. um yeah so for sure yeah for sure um one of the questions that uh
2: on our Discord, one of our Patreons asked was um, top five review titles. I don't want to do that because we'll be here all day trying to figure out what that that look, list looks like. But what about like your favorite, fa- your favorite review title? Um, and I'm, I'm gonna let's take it back a stage and say let's let's look at this as which title did we review that that you did not think going in? You didn't either didn't know much about it going in, or you didn't really think much of it going in. Or you were kind of neutral about it going in and you were extremely pleasantly surprised and really liked.
1: Oh, Because I, I think for
2: some of them, there's yeah. like, you know, we really liked him to start off with and it was just, oh, let's just review this game that we already really like. But yeah. I didn't
1: like Misspent Youth when I read it at first. Didn't like it. And then talking to Rob um, got me on on side, like realizing, yeah. then it was actually, it was talking to, to, you know, Rob Ball, the author, that made me realize how... Um, how important talking to the author was before reviewing because hearing what he was trying to do and hearing his thinking behind it is what really got my head into it. Um, And then, yeah, it's it's not the first game I'll reach for these days, but, like, he fucking did it. He smashed out the park. Um, He did everything he set out to do, and he did a really good job. Um, And, yeah, I quite enjoyed actually talking about it in that review a lot. That was definitely one that stood out to me as... Yeah, this is cool. Um the other one is Electric Bastion Land. When I first tried mm. reading that one, I was quite tired and I think I was a bit sick or whatever. I just wasn't feeling it when I read it. I was like, nah. And the, that first read was damning. <laughs> and then I went yeah. back and I just wasn't getting it. This wasn't clicking, you know, sometimes shit that yeah. just doesn't yeah, yeah. click with yeah. you. And um and then going back and reading it again and then and then talking to Chris and then doing the interview and everything was like, Yeah, fuck yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um so those two are the ones that really stood out to me yeah sure Where
2: are you? i've got a lot of favorites <laughs> um i think for me it was the o s just the o s r titles generally speaking um i didn't i i kind of had had been i still am a little bit resistant to call myself an o s r fan yeah. um mainly because I'm only interested in the stuff that doesn't really have a lot of resemblance to d and d but that's the sort of stuff we've been reviewing, right? It's been the new wave sort of mm-hmm. stuff, like Mothership, like Electric Bastion Land, like merkborg These don't have the six D and D stats. They don't have, you know, AC, whatever that's ascending or descending. They don't have classes necessarily. Um not and retro they, they, clones, they don't feel right? yeah. Yeah, they're not retro clones, exactly. Um, mm. they have they ascribe more to the the um the kind of the principles of the OSR as laid out in that um that manifesto yeah. uh, that's mm-hmm. kind of been going around online. And for me that was a kind of a pleasant surprise to be dipping my toes a little bit into the OSR and to into these different titles I've been looking at. They've all been great. They've all blown me away. Probably the two that really um god two, three. I can't really s- split between the three. The three that have really particularly um hit me in the hit me in the feels are Mothership best left buried in electric bastion land all for different reasons mm. and like i was i was kind of bowled over by all three of those games yes um i still am i love all those games and yeah um warlock as well has been really great getting into that because of the woofrup um mm. being also kind of like a wooprup a woofrup clone um but i was i was kind of like for me that felt like something i knew i was already going to like
1: yeah 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 <laughs> cuz
2: it's like it's 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 just designed for people like me whereas these other ones is like well Best Left Buried kind of has some wolf Rip stuff in it, but it's also kind of a, it's it's not really a wolf Rip clone. clone. Um, and yet it, it, like, just, God, I mean, I don't want to start talk doing many reviews again, but all three of those games for one reason or another really left a big impression on me. And Electric Bastion Land to this day has probably had the biggest influence on me when it comes to my own game design stuff, just in terms of um, things like layout and... Uh, like world building and how the setting is laid out, it's just, it's just a fucking clever book. And <laughs> every time I look in it, I am I am bowled over by it. It is just so good. Um, it just does so many things right. I, I really love it. And yeah, yeah. So I think that would probably my favorite would probably be Electric Bastion Land. But those other two really are ones that that really. Coming very closely behind. You know,
1: it's interesting, right? I just want to riff on the whole OSR thing for a bit. When you and I started mm. this podcast, neither of us liked OSR. Um, mm. I remember us having a big argument with some people in the OSR channel on our Discord and how, like, yeah. mothership, because we liked mothership, but we were like, well, that's not OSR. <laughs> yeah. And people like, no, but it is. And we had a big argument. And then we uh, ended up reviewing it and I actually distinctively remember part of the appeal of us reviewing it was how easy it was to review because it was so small and one of the things that drove us like because I I, by the time we had done Mothership I'd started falling down the OSR rabbit hole a wee bit um, and then we started talking about hey we should do some of these rules like games more often they're a lot easier to review they take up less time we're not reading a big fuck off tome um, and then we so we started looking for more to to review. And then I feel like both of us have gone on this journey more and deeper and deeper into the style of um yeah. of game. And like especially as we gotten into game design, because they're all made by like game design nerds, right? Like they're actually yeah, yeah. they're discussing it from like a Like almost a philosophical direction compared to some of the more traditional old school designers, which is just like, oh no, you only you do this, you do that, you do that, make money. You know, like it's a different sort of thing. Um, So it's it's been really interesting. Had you told me three years ago, like had you pitched as part of your thing, we're going to look at OSR games when when you're proposing the podcast, I'm not sure if I would have done it. But in hindsight, now it's a huge part of the channel. People fucking love it. Some of our best interviews have been from that. Um, it's been really interesting how that's all like and like I I can confidently say hand on heart wouldn't have written um like Fistful of Sixes had I not been into OSR. Um like it was it was a combination of mothership and hypertellurians because I really liked Hypertellurians and Frank saying that there's a lot of OSR influence in there, I was like but nah, this doesn't feel like DD. What are you on about? <laughs> and it was like, because those two happened in a really tight yeah. sort of proximity. They happened yeah, in the same s- few months. And yeah. um, that's what, yeah, that's what tweaked me. It's like, okay, okay, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I need to look into the shit. And I just dove head first down that rabbit hole. Um, So yeah, I, I can genuinely say this podcast has opened my eyes to so many games I never looked at before. I used to be like a fucking Wiffrit. Or death, like D one hundred or death kind of guy, and now I'm into all sorts of shit. Um, mm. Yeah, it's like genuinely had an impact upon me as, a, as like my my enjoyment of a hobby, and the way yeah. that I uh, the way that I just think about the stuff in general. Um, yeah, like it's nuts.
2: I think for for me though the OSR thing, I was I was a very big um, Google Plus user back in the day, mm. and specifically for tabletop stuff. And I was on the sidelines watching a lot of the OSR shit <laughs> that was ridiculously toxic, mm. um, and it kind of put me off. It's probably scarred me a little bit still with the OSR. There's probably still like because I know you've you've dived in a bit more, but for me, um, I I kind of like still feel that it's like for me personally. I know it's I know it's moved on and. The community is really trying to shake the stigma off from from that time. Um, But there's still some of that in my head. And I I know it's kind of a little bit unreasonable. And I'm happy to say, like, I'm happy to review, and I really love a lot of games that are classed as OSR. But at the same time, a big part of me is like, I will never admit that I'm a fan of the OSR. (laughs) I always Mm -hmm. has to be caveated. Because for me, it's like I don't want to associate myself with what I, I know is a very, very, very big part of that community, which was just, oh my God. It I mean, I don't know, I've, I've never come across, I've never been in big internet communities before. Like um, I'm, I've never been into big music communities online. I've never been into uh, video game communities, mostly because they're full of um, teenagers. Um, and it's like to- tabletop role playing games for like the last 10 years or so is really where I've like my on like when I think of online communities, it's always been in that context. And just seeing, you know, some of the tox the toxicity or whatever you want to call it um, from the old G plus days when all those fights were happening. It's just like, I don't know. Yeah. Kind of like I don't want to associate myself with with those those people. Um, I don't remember. I don't remember hardly any of them other than the big ones who have been like outed and stuff. But yeah. at the same time, it's still like I you know that to me is still part of the OSR and anyway.
1: Absolutely, anyway. yeah. No, like I know for me because all that, me getting into it coincided with you know, you know the the aftermath of of Zach being cancelled, right? Yeah, and um, like that for me was like okay, so. Because it's like, especially being on Twitter, every other week someone is being called out for bullshit behavior. Mike Merles gets called out more than anyone for some of his shitty behavior in the past. Um, And yet the only person I've ever seen successfully shut down completely and destroyed has been Zach. And also (laughs) it's like Lamentations of the Flame Flame Princess that – brand. It's going out of business. They've gone bankrupt and shit because of that whole thing. It's like, wow, okay. So uh, that, that so made me go, maybe maybe they actually mean it when they say, you know what, fuck this. <laughs> and they're going in and they're cleaning house. There's still dickheads in there though, but I've come to realise there are dickheads everywhere. Mm. But um, absolutely, I was much like you. That, that sort of, for a long time, one, their perception of it being D&D, and two, it being full yep. of arseholes kept me out for a long time. And um, now, I'm I'm more selective with with who I interact with in there, but I'm more open to it as well.
2: Yeah, I think that's the thing for me as well. Is like I'm happy to to like OSR games. I just, as I said, I have to heavily caveat it every time I mention it, in like on a stream or in a, a podcast episode. It's Absolutely. always like, yeah. I I specifically like these types of OSR games. <laughs> <laughs> anyway um but yeah that's that's definitely been like looking back on things that's definitely been an interesting one as well to see that shift uh for sure you said like if you're not sure you would have you would have joined the podcast as a host if um if i pitched osr to you i'm exactly the same i remember when i was looking at niches and stuff everyone and their brothers seemed to have uh, like if you looked at the number of tabletop role-playing game rpgs that ex- uh sorry podcasts that existed back three years ago I would say the OSR had a very big market share in terms of number of podcasts. A lot of them were on anchor, still are on anchor. Um, but there was just like, it kind of evolved from being blogs to being, I know, podcasts started coming out like around the blog time as well. Um, then it moved to Google plus and when Google plus got shut down, I know they kind of went all over the place, but I I think it was at that that point that a bunch of um, podcasts started coming up because anchor was just coming onto the scene at the same time, anchor being a completely free podcasting platform um, with really easy editing tools and stuff. So anyone basically, and I remember listening to some OSR podcasts where I know there was one where a guy was literally recording his podcast while he was trucking across the U S (laughs) somewhere. And it was like, okay, like, why not? You can hear the guy. I mean, it's not great audio quality or anything, but he's able to be heard. He had some fans and stuff. And it was like, okay, fair enough. Like it is literally like garage underground punk sort of, um, podcasting like punk radio kind of. Yeah. or pirate radio whatever you want to call it and that's kind of cool like that whole that <laughs> whole thing but it's it felt like it wasn't a I mean I'm not even interested I wasn't interested in the OSR at the time anyway but it was kind of like well we don't like that's fine because if if that's the biggest market share then there's space for us doing something else over here yes absolutely oh, yeah but it's been interesting kind of getting into that now and as you say like slowly um you know we, we kind of um, broke our teeth with hypertolerians technically as our first OSR title Mm. Um, and then mothership quickly after. And it was kind of like, okay, yeah, exactly. Like you said, it's not, it's, this isn't D and D and these people are actually really cool. They're not dickheads. They're not all dickheads. There are exceptions. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um,
1: Okay. Uh, What's your favorite game of all the ones that we have reviewed? If you had to pick one actual favorite game.
2: Um. Okay, I'm gonna have to think about that. Yeah. Do you have one that you can go first with? Uh. Ooh. I'm leaning. That's a really hard one.
1: I lean towards Mercborg just because it's the one I've played the most and continuously want to play. Like, but also that's also mm. true of Mothership. Um. Mm. Oh fuck, man! That's that's really hard. <laughs> You know what's easiest? I could tell you the two I want to play the least, but I'm not gonna. I don't want to upset anyone.
2: Uh, um, oh, I could probably give you a top three. And I like I, I probably can't, let's say like tied for first. Sure thing, right? go for it. Um, Delta Green, mm. definitely up there. Mm. Delta Green is mm. fucking yes. awesome. I love Delta Green. Yeah, fuck. Um,
1: oh, I forgot about that one. Yeah, that's in there too.
2: I just, I've never run it, never. And um, it's something that I think I need to, I, but it's a game, like if I was to run Delta Green, I would want to run a campaign of it. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to just have um, a one shot because you really need to lean into those bonds yes. and how the bonds degrade and you need to have a campaign for that to happen. Um, so I don't know when that's going to happen, but, or be a player in a Delta Green campaign would also be pretty fucking epic. Yeah. Um, so Delta Green for sure is like, Yes. even just ignoring the stuff we've reviewed every time we do a top um on, on discord every now and again people ask about like top 10 games and stuff um delta green is always in my top three yep. it always yep. has been yep. and that's not going to change no, <laughs> no um way. apart from that oh man <sighs> best left buried i think is also in my top three yeah um yeah I think from from the fantasy games we've looked at, that for me is just um it just does so many things in a really simple, clever way. And when I ran that Wolfrup, it ran Wolfrup beautifully. It really did. Um, yeah. And <laughs> it's just I love it. It's a really nice game. And also um, like I mean, oh
1: the amount of respect I have for Zach. <laughs> I remember yeah. I remember when we first interviewed him and I was like, this guy's just a young snot. Like he's he's quite cocky. He's clearly coming from like yeah, you know, like a bit of a public school boy background sort of vibe to him. I was I remember because he he yeah, uh, you know, we interviewed him on video and I remember being like, man, I don't know about this. But like one, he knows his shit. Two, he's really good to talk to, genuinely a friendly guy. Also, I've communicated with him during like a bit of discourse online, genuinely a nice guy, which he, which yep. isn't necessarily readily apparent when you when you talk to him, but also the fact that he listened to a negative review. Right. And was like, Mm. you know what? These guys are right. And then fixed his shit instead of like having a go at us, like giving us a hard time. Being precious about it. Yeah. He was just like, no, you know, they're right. And he even said last time we spoke to him a couple of weeks ago, you know, like he, these are things he knew were broke. Cause you know, you know, you know when something's not right. He knew these things weren't right. And us calling him out, going on like, hey, and cause we tried to soften the blow. We we're like, bro, this is fucking a great game. Just fix this shit. And he did it. And like so I'm yeah. like, I have to respect that. You know what I mean? Like we, we here yeah. we like there's other publishers who we gave a negative review to who haven't returned an email <laughs> since. You know what I mean? And yet here's here's this guy who's hundred percent on board, happy to come talk to us about anything. And like just loves it, wants mm. to be a part of it, proactively asking us, hey, you know, we should talk again. That was that was cool. Um fuck yeah, you yeah. yeah, like I I have yeah, nothing but respect for for that man and the money that he carries. Cause um, yeah. So, I I definitely include his game high up in in all of my lists. Um, even though I I want to run it and I haven't had I just haven't had a chance to. Yet. It hasn't come up yet. But
2: yeah, yep, yeah. So yeah, and my final one would be Electric Bastion. Land and yeah, it was coming. that was like obvious. You've been gushing about that shit since we've done it. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, I've also I've got um, Mouse Richer, I got the the like special edition box set when it came out, and Mouse Ritter is using the Into the Odd engine, so it's also very similar to Electric Bastion Land, um, and that's also just another look at taking the whole concept behind the game, and it's just it's just the whole the whole ethos is gameable content,
0: mm-hmm.
2: not just looking at mechanics, but everything in that in those games is is focused on being usable at the table and it's it just shows like you know talking to chris as well and him talking about like the three bullets and how if he can't fit it into three bullets um how you know how can he how can he condense something an idea or or whatever into three bullet points that also aren't three bullets that are paragraphs you know it's like they're prop like there's just so much there's so much depth and uh gameable material in a small package it's it's great and mouse ritter is exactly um i mean it's not his game but like i've played that with my son who's um you know 5 when i started playing it with him and it's just like i just i don't know i just i really really like it um and I, yeah i wouldn't say i wouldn't say I like it more than best left buried or uh delta green for very different reasons but um those three for sure i think are, i could quite easily say are top of my list for for favorite games that we've reviewed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
2: I know I'm I'm ignoring, I always say I'm a big um, Free League fanboy and we've reviewed Forbidden Lands and Coriolis, but um, regardless, regardless, um, I just, those three games, there's just some sort of magic sauce in them that, um, I don't know. I don't know. Delta Green's not not, um, OSR, but the other two are. So there's clearly some like, (laughs) uh, you know, we'll see we'll see in a year's time if i've um if i've ditched my my stigma and uh, you know my my issues with the osr label and a little bit more uh you know whatever welcome it's easier now it's just called indie right <laughs> it's a lot, it is, it's yeah. a lot easier now yeah nah. i think i think for me the 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 thing is the os is osc everyone's talking about osc at the moment it feels like and uh to me oh, i i i've actually talked to gav um who's the the author Who's also a Brit expat living in Germany, and um, I've chatted to him. I've chatted to him in the past. He's a really he's a really cool guy. But like his product is just not. I'm not the target audience. Nah, nah, it is either. it is it is d is a retro clone of d d like tidied up and more readable. But it's still that it's the it's not it wasn't the uh, the unreadability of d d that I don't like. It is d d itself I don't like. So um, if I ever come back. If you ever hear me gushing about OSC, you'll know that something has changed. Noted. <laughs> that I've come full circle. Noted. And, um, yeah.
1: <laughs> I um. Yeah. I I've I've run a short, camp, a relatively short, like six investigation campaign of um, Delta Green. Fucking loved it. so yeah. of the most fun I've ever had running games. I really want to be okay. a player in a campaign, but like, I want Sean to run it. <laughs> like, I'd be up for you that. You know what I mean? Like, I want it to be like, I want it to be, yeah, a real dark, mean, yeah. moody, yeah, sort of like yeah. proper, staunch investigation. Like, I want it to be like, like a nineties cult thriller style. Um, shit, that's what I want. Um, like seven or something. Yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah to yeah, be real yeah. uncomfortable yeah. with yeah. myself as I play it. That's what I want. Yeah. Um But the, like, yeah. <laughs> I just don't know when that will happen, but that that's um that's that's absolutely what I what I want to have. But yeah, I I I love that game. I always think about running it again. That's great. Um, I'm trying to think of future suggestions. The future, what's in the future? Uh, what what do we have to look forward to? Obviously, forty K season coming up. We've already spoken about that. It's going to be two mm. months almost three so yeah. five episodes of us talking about 40k um and who knows what mm. falls out the back end of that because generally i remember back when we did our um lovecraft thing because we're talking about one thing for so long and only interviewing on in that one thing other things pop up people are asking us to talk to these people people make recommendations of shit that we missed that's similar mm. so yeah who knows what will fall out of that but that's what we're looking at for the next wee while. Um, And I think we're looking at trying to tie, like, we're looking at doing a GM's tips in there as well, um, of us talking about how to run, like, 40k in the mud and bloody way and things. We're trying to capture all of those things that we do um, quite well. Yeah. Um, uh, But beyond that, what's next? After carrying company, you're next to run an actual play, I believe. Is that right?
2: Yeah. And this went to Patreon votes and... (laughs) It was a close, tight race. The two favorites were um, a first edition Wolfrop campaign of my, yeah, my Gangs of Marienburg idea, which has been percolating for a long time, probably three or four years. Mm. Um, I even managed to source before it came out on DriveThruRPG, I managed to source a pristine like as new copy of the um, Sold Down the River source book on eBay for not a lot of money. Um, that's a, that's just a delight to read that book and running it in first edition, I think would have been really fun as well. I've since actually run, um, two sessions of first edition for Patreon supporters and it was quite fun. I, I, I mean, first edition definitely did not hold up to the rose tinted goggles. I had, um, glasses I had from it from before. Um, but I think with, a with this, with not a huge amount of, um, home house ruling, I could probably run a campaign with that and be relatively happy with it. Um, so that was the that was the idea, that was one idea. And the second one is my own game, Pitchfork, which um, I'm gonna be working on in May. So coming up, I'm gonna try and get that out by the end of May as like a playtest. Um, and that one just narrowly edged out Wolfroop in the poll. So I'm gonna be running my own, like a. I guess it's kinda gonna be still in beta at that time when I start running it, um, of this, of Pitchfork. And Pitchfork is, if people haven't heard about it, it started off as a WolfRip clone. It's the Year Zero engine, but very loosely. Um, it's got a lot of influences from like Warlock in it, actually, because it's it's going to be um, skill only with no attributes. Mm-hmm. But the big, the big kind of hook to it is that the first thing you do, so it's going to be done in the first session, is building, is collaboratively building a village together. It's going to be set in the Middle Ages Germany. So quasi-historical, but with mythology and folklore and the supernatural all being real. So kind of like mythic Middle Ages Germany. Um, and you all play peasants in it. So in a way, it kind of has a bit of a Call of Cthulhu vibe to it. Not Cth- not Cthulhu Dark Ages, but more what you think of Call of Cthulhu. If you think like you're playing everyday people investigating horrific things that are happening... You can't really go to the authorities. You've got to solve that shit yourself. Mm. Um, that's a very, very similar sort of theme and tone that the games will have. You create this village, which you're, because it's this feudal society, you're not really allowed to go leaving it. Um, you have links to everybody in the community there. You build that community yourselves as a group. And then all sorts of horrible stuff start happening. Um, and you've got to, it's up to you to like, you know, solve these problems because you're the lord of them, of the, of the feudal domain, it doesn't give a shit. All all that that person cares about is, um, you know, that they get their their tithe whenever they need it. <laughs> um, and yeah, and because even things like if there's a if there's a tavern in the in the in the village or there's a um, a temple, a church, or whatever in that village, you're still not allowed to play a barkeep or a merchant or a cleric because they have too much power. And the focus really needs to be on. You as a as an every as like an everyman. I'm doing that in, in inverted commas, mm-hmm. like as a as a common person who doesn't have any really kind of a, like any real authority to to try and figure this stuff out. And yeah, I've um, I actually have run some uh, some very very early on play tests of it, and it kind of it does it, it was a bit janky at the time, but the the themes and the tone are are really interesting. And um, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> it might bomb. I don't know. Um, but yeah, um, that's what I'm running. You say that, but I
1: thought Valley of Blood was going to bomb and it hasn't. And it was a campaign I put together yeah. last minute because the last one fell through, players fell over, and things. I was expecting that to bomb because um, it's almost entirely improvised. There's like months happening between sessions because life gets in the way. Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong, and people in- <laughs> seem to enjoy listening to it. So. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It it seems to work.
2: That's coming up. I guess I'm going to be recording that this summer sometime. It's going to, it looks like from our schedule that it's going to be going live. Depends on how long season two of carrying company is, goes on for, because we're only, we've only recorded three sessions so far. Um, If it goes on for 12 sessions, then, um, then I would be starting mine around February is when it'd be going live.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: So yeah, if I, I'm, I'm kind of planning end of the summer to start, to start recording I haven't got a group together for it yet um I need I mean I haven't even finished the, the playtest document yet so first step is to finish that playtest document and then start thinking about a, um you know people to pull in, in a campaign Absolutely. take it from there cool though that's cool um yeah I I I, I almost didn't put it on my list of, of options on the poll because it, it felt like I know people were already saying um they want to see they want to see the stuff that we're working on ourselves but it kind of felt a little bit arrogant to put my own game on. And it's still, I still have a little bit of um, that feeling, like it's a little bit conceited for me to be running my own game, but like people really wanted to see it and everyone has been really encouraging about it. So it's happening. (laughs) I mean, yeah. And also I didn't want to follow carrying company with Wolf was kind of also shitting myself thinking about that. Like, uh, yeah, Sean is, is probably my favorite GM of all time. And, you know, having to like, Having to run something after him, I just don't want to do it. (laughs) Are we
1: still leaning towards the idea that we discussed for a while, assuming everybody's on board, that we'd go carrying company, actual play, carrying company, actual play like that? In which case, it's another year before I'm running an actual play?
2: I don't, I mean, I think this is what we talked about, right? Carrying company was so successful, when it stopped. People were instantly asking when is season two coming, yeah. and it was like, for fuck's sake, we want to run other games too, yeah. people. Um, <laughs> we will say, and people what we kind of this guy leaving Patreon and shit as soon as it was. Yeah, finished. yeah. It's like oh, <laughs> you're not doing Carrying Company anymore. Then like Later. I'm taking my money. And fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> um, which is all good. Like that's totally yeah. fine. But the um, the idea was okay. Like we really loved Carrying Company as well, and. Uh, Sean was was happy to come back. So we kind of had talked about it and talked about doing, as as Liam just said, shorter seasons. So not 24 episodes long, but like 10 to 12 episodes maybe-ish. Mm. Once a year. That takes up a half a year of content. And then and then do that every year. So every year there will be... It, it, it kind of feels like a TV show, right? Where you've got every year there's a new season. Um, and there's a, per- a period of downtime where they're recording the next one. And then you get it the following year. I think if we don't quite hold strictly to that it wouldn't be the end of the world like if we have two campaigns instead of like in between one just for whatever reason but yeah that was the plan like i'm it's been a long time since i ran um cult or was in cult as well mm, mm.
1: it's cool it means i mean, don't have to worry about like what to play next because the thing is well i want to play <laughs> for a while, i want to play changes every month right like um yeah like I, for the last six weeks, I've been so set on the next game my home group plays being RuneQuest. and I still kind of am committed mm. to that idea, but, like, I am going down such a fighting fantasy fucking rabbit hole right now, it's just like, just want to play that weird classic British fucking fantasy that you used to get back then that don't really make like that anymore, and, like, <laughs> I mean, like, shit like, so, mm. so yeah, um, yeah. I, I won't I won't even try and think of planning what I'm gonna to run too early because it's gonna because
2: <laughs> it's gonna be 2023 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah kind of kind of bonkers. Is there
1: anything else we know is coming up in the future? Not really. eh? we haven't really planned past. I mean, the
2: we've talked about next um, again north northern hemisphere summer. We'd. We would would like to maybe have another season of something like four or five episodes of a similar mm-hmm. thing, but um, open to suggestions for that. We don't really have anything planned. We haven't we haven't even done the 40k one yet. So, um, yeah, that's something I think it would be nice to do. Try to do once a year. Um, it's a nice it's a nice little clump of time where we can really focus on one thing and give it a lot of attention. And talk about it for a lot, and talk to some really interesting people about it outside of also the role playing scene. Um, so yeah, I think I think I'd like to. I'd, I, I would. I, I would. It sounds like you would too. Like it's just it's just a matter of finding the right sort of theme for it. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, other than that, yeah, I I, I kind of we've talked Fuck about. You it already. Know what we could do? Current,
1: now that I think about it, we want to talk about a big property, although there's no current. Oh, there is. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about a property that's kind of come and gone a lot is like um uh you know, Elric stuff, you know, with Black Sword hack and hmm. or or like um, you know, obviously suddenly it's just falling out of my head. But you know, the the old game I've got and there's a whole bunch of new ones. Stormbringer. Stormbringer. That's it, thank you. Yeah. Um that's a potential sort of thing, but then you could also look at Trying to go for a Star Wars vibe or all sorts. Actually, fuck, there's so much shit we could talk about. Shit. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Again, it kind of all comes back to IPs, right? Yeah. Specific, um, like, books or settings that... I mean, maybe that's what we do. Maybe that's what we do is we, we think about that. And um, I, I think, for me, the, the hesitation is in picking an IP or a setting where it's too broad and... It means, or there's just a ton of games that we have to start looking mm-hmm. at and reviewing, because mm-hmm. um, that's not gonna. Ha- I'll just say it right now, that won't happen. We won't pick that one, um, because uh, we know from experience, from doing the 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 months of madness, that that way lies madness. <laughs> it's it's far too much. Like we we are aware, like with the amount of free time that we have to to devote to the show, um, that it's just too much. And I yeah, I would probably break some relationships with my with my wife again <laughs> um, <laughs> her birthday and my son's birthday are also in the summer and that was part of what made Ugh. the months of madness yeah. harder is that we were recording and releasing stuff and i was trying to read stuff over big birthdays and um it didn't go down well yeah bet. um so yeah
1: what about um what about outside of like the strictly podcast episodes what what have you got coming up this year maybe three skulls tavern or anything for our community to look out for
2: um god so I, yeah i have this if you haven't heard of it i have a, a youtube channel called three skulls tavern and that that actually hit a milestone the other day as well i had 666 subscribers <laughs> um which was nice um that's completely devoted to the year zero engine though uh, so I've, that's been my kind of geeky focus because this show has evolved well beyond any one type of system or anything Um, and yet I really, I'm designing games in the year zero engine and because of that, I kind of need to really make sure I'm looking at it a lot. And the channel was, was originally created to do actual play content, um, where I'm involved either as a GM or a player in running those games. And yeah, it's been, it's been pretty fun. I've got, uh, Charlotte is going to be running a, uh, the one ring second edition campaign on the channel in September, I think is when she's planning on starting. Um, and I'm gonna be running, we're currently running Alien and Coriolis on the channel, and I'm gonna be running something towards the end of the summer, and I'm not sure what it's gonna be yet. It could actually be Pitchfork as well, um, but I was thinking I might actually try and do this cyberpunk game that I've been working on, and do a, like, like a mini campaign of that. Um, so yeah, but other than that, it's just like, it's just actual play campaigns that are also sort of like 10 episodes in length. It runs every Sunday. There's an um there's content and it's just figuring out what's running next. And um Forbidden Lands was super popular when I ran that and I might come back and do a season two of, of Forbidden Lands maybe. Um just because people love Forbidden Lands.
1: Um I still want to fucking play it. I think I want to play Forbidden Lands more than any of the other free league stuff. Cause I have most of the stuff that they've released. Mm. I've I have a, most of it. Didn't get Alien. I didn't get Vasen. Um, but I've got everything else they've done. Um, and uh, I still Forbidden Lands is the one that speaks to me. <laughs> Not Twilight 2000. Um, that one I haven't got it yet. Like physically in my hands okay. to look at. Yeah. Um, but also that one does also appeal to me. Absolutely, does it appeal to me?
2: Um. Yeah. I think, um, yeah. Anyway, so that's. I mean, there's nothing really big or special to announce on that on that front. It's just a channel I've got, and there's just content, actual play content. What about your publishing and that's your games and things? Oh, pu- publishing, good God. <laughs> so I've got Year Zero Mini out already, um, which is a currently a silver bestseller on Drive Through RPG, which is really pretty awesome, um, and that is a. It's basically like a rules light framework, similar to like what you would see with Fate, or Rhesus, or things like that, um, to to run any kind of setting. And I'm currently working on a cyberpunk spin of that, which is focused on um, taking Year Zero Mini and tweaking it specifically for a, a cyberpunk setting. Um, that's been really fun. I've playtested tested that three times already, all this month. Um, and I'm a big. I've, it's actually hit me that I'm a huge cyberpunk fan. Um, in terms of film, TV, and and uh, novels. Like, I've read a lot of, of cyberpunk stuff in the past as well. I loved Snow Crash as a, as a teenager. Um, I've read Neuromancer in the past. I've just reread Neuromancer, just finished it. And, yeah, like, that near-future dystopian shit is, is amazing, but I've never, ever been that interested in the tabletop side of it. And I think that's because Shadowrun has the same problem that I've got with 40K, which is orcs and elves in contemporary setting and mm-hmm. that doesn't really appeal to me um and cyberpunk um 2020 or red uh, just for some reason hasn't also hasn't appealed to me um i don't know why i think maybe it's the crunch factor of it I've, I've seen it i remember looking at a character sheet of it many years ago and being put off a little bit so i think it's just that i'm not drawn to crunch necessarily yeah and those are kind of the two big cyberpunk games at the time and yeah, so it's been it's been really cool, kind of coming coming at this this cyberpunk game that I've been working on, without having any baggage from any pre existing role playing games um, in terms of experience. I've I've read through some of them since, like I've I've got the Sprawl, which is a power by the apocalypse one. Neon City Overdrive is really cool, um, and there's like a a cyberpunk kit called Augmented Reality, which is also really great. And I've kind of have looked through them and kind of like a lot of the ideas in them. But in terms of, like, being influenced by Shadowrun or Cyberpunk 2020 or Red, that's not really the case. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. It's just been really fun. Like, coming up with my own little twist on the setting and looking at it from today's perspective and not from the 80s. So augmented reality everywhere is a big thing. Um, There's still got the the typical dystopian t- tropes that you've got with cyberpunk, so it still feels like that. And, um, yeah, just just playing it, figuring it out, and figuring out what works, what doesn't work has been really interesting. So... Been having a lot of fun with that.
1: Did you ever play the computer game Syndicate Wars?
2: Uh, I I didn't play Syndicate Wars. I played the original Syndicate, which is the same okay. concept, but it's a little bit different.
1: Yeah, I didn't play that one, but like, so I don't know if I don't know if this like I, what I liked about Syndicate Wars is how everyone had chips in their head, and they had augmented reality all around them, so it was beautiful and it was friendly, and the police were nice and everything was really nice. And then if that
2: chip malfunctions, you see, it's this gritty. Yeah, dystopian yeah. hellscope. I loved that. <laughs> like, that's exactly just... the same. I, that's, that actually has probably bled through to my subconscious because I've played Syndicate, yeah. and that's the exact angle that my game has, which is everybody's chipped. Um, it's a chip at the back of the like the base of their skull, mm-hmm. and it feeds you. You can't actually switch it off. If you can put it in standby mode, which turns everything off, but like the it's still emitting a signal. Like if you're if you turn your mobile phone off, you can still be tracked, right? Yeah. It's the same sort of concept like Big Brother's always watching you no matter what. Um but like it's also considered really rude to look at somebody unchipped because everyone's projecting their best version of themselves. Of course. Um, through AR. They've got skins and stuff they can put on to like this is this is the me that I want to be not this not my meat self. And that, that's um, the, the future of
1: like Instagram filters and shit, right? Like yeah, it makes yeah sense. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, your appearance on the character sheet—you have two. The, the appearance is two different um, things. One is called meat self, and one is called persona. And your persona is basically how is it that you look in air when people look at you, and meat self is how do you really look. Yeah. Um, it's just been really kind of interesting and fun, kind of kind of taking that to quite a, a quite a far level, and uh, that is cool. It does make it very hard to for players to play in it though, because like it's so. Just the, the concept of, of being able to be monitored so easily does st- stymie a lot of um, a lot of options. But anyway, it's it's been fun doing that and leaning into that and uh, kind of playtesting and developing that. And then the other one at the moment is Pitchfork, which I had been developing. Um, and then I I took a break from it to work on the cyberpunk thing, and again I'm returning into it, it in uh, next month. So, yeah. And that's going to be much more, uh, the cyberpunk one is based on year zero mini, as I said, and pitchfork is not, it's, it's a bit crunchier. It's a bit more of a traditional kind of game, a bit more like the year zero engine, but I'm also trying to streamline it quite a bit. So, um, yeah, it's, it's much chunkier. There's a lot, I've already got a quite quite a big page count in the document I'm working on. Um, I think it's got something like 40 to 50 pages, maybe something like that. Um, whereas the
1: cyberpunk one is like
2: 14. Okay. Anyway, that's me. What about you? What are you working on?
1: Uh, There's one thing I'm working on at the moment that I'm under NDA, so I can't tell you what it is, but it'll be <laughs> the next thing that I release most likely. Um, and I'll be spamming everything when that comes out. Um, it's going to be dope. You're going to love it. Um, beyond that, well, once I, I'm, I'm moving house in six weeks, matter of fact. Um, so it's six, five, Five weeks now. Um. So when I'm when I've moved house, I'll really be nutting down and focusing on um getting fistful done, um, mm. which I've been quite fortunate and that I've been able to be playing testing that with um with you know our um, our patrons and, and things and it's been really really good having, having um I've been quite fortunate to be in that situation, um and it's yeah. it's going really well so I'm looking forward to actually finishing that um so i want to do that at some point i don't know when that will be done and when that will come out but it'll it'll happen um and i've still got sitting on the back burner strange gods as well um Mm. which i've deliberately put on back burner so i could focus on fistful and buying a house and stuff and um That also, the person I'm collaborating with, Valen, he needs to do a Kickstarter for his tarot cards before we can even consider doing anything for this. So there's no pressure there. So that's something which I want to work on at some point. And then the other thing as well, which this is probably you know well over a year away, two years away at this point. Uh, I haven't signed anything with the guy, so I won't announce them. But a very, very well-known... Southeast Asian creator in the OSR scene and I are going to work on an anti-colonial module um, for, like, OSR style fantasy. Um, so I'm looking forward to that because he's a cool guy. Cool. Him and I align a lot on a lot of views and the idea of getting to um to come at things from a colonial perspective um, or anti-colonial perspective or a colonized perspective is quite um, – I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to making people uncomfortable so um, yeah that's that's also yeah, cool. on the on the horizon but um that is first things first move house release this thing which i can't talk about and then finish <laughs> finish this other thing fistful. <laughs> yeah fistful yeah. yeah so looking forward to it should be good
2: cool cool well the thing that you're under nda about will that still be will you still likely be under the nda when this episode comes out to the public Beginning of the end of May. I do not know. Quite possibly. It's not that far away. Yeah. Yeah. Um it's
1: yeah, I I don't know. I think we have to stay quiet about it until it ends up on sale. So um (laughs) I kinda know if I can (laughs) even say where it's gonna be on sale. So, so, So I don't know what I can say. I'm just gonna shut up. Um I'll you'll know. I'll be spamming everywhere when it's out. Don't you worry. So, <laughs> cool. Um, cool. yeah I'm looking forward to it but um that's All basically right. what I've got going on and obviously everything that's coming on here the big thing is I just can't wait to get Carrying Company 2 out and see how people react to that it's going to be dope that's our, that's our near yeah. future that and 40k two things that can't go possibly wrong returning to our roots really Warhammer and Grimdark <laughs>
2: <laughs> 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 yep cool alright I guess the last thing to talk around um, is the giveaway, right? Yes. Um, we'll, we'll do definitely be doing more, um, you know, giving more uh, details about it closer to the time. But we want to tie into our third birthday, which is the 7th. Whoops. Let me just check that of date. June. It's the beginning of June. Is it the 7th? 7th of June. Yep. Yeah. So 7th of June is our was when we did our first episode, and that's going to be three years. It's only a couple weeks um, after this episode goes live, and we're going to do a giveaway. Both Liam and I have been sitting on and slowly collecting books that we have duplicates of um, or books that we have bought, and then a new edition has come out, and we've bought the new edition. For example, uh, Warlock. Um, I, I got the print-on-demand version of Warlock uh, when it came out, and I am one of the people that was managed, managed to nab one of the black editions, the, the limited edition versions, um, that Greg, that Greg made with Black Oath. Um, so I don't need two copies of the same game. I've got the I've got the really snazzy version of it, or the snazzy version of it. I'm gonna just keep that one, and I'll give I'll be giving away my um, print on demand version of it to um, to someone. So we've got a big list of um, of titles. I think at the moment it's eight. It might possibly be more than that. Those eight titles are only going to be done in a draw for Patreon supporters, um, which, looking at it, we have 84 Patreons right now, so that's pretty good odds if you're a Patreon supporter. Um, it will be based on your membership tier, how many entries you get in it, and if, in case you hear this in, um, in May, and you go rushing to Patreon to join specifically for that, hold off because the, um, we'll be looking at it from June um obviously if you want to join anyone you like our show and you want to join from may please do um but we'll be looking specifically at people who are patreon supporters at the beginning of june and running it at the time like at the time whoever's a patreon supporter will get an entry ticket Mm. then Um, it's gonna be based on tier as
1: well right so the higher tier yeah, yeah
2: yeah 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 so you'll get the higher the tier you're in the more entry the more tickets you'll get into the into the giveaway um and then we're gonna run a general one as well on our Discord, so you have to be in our Discord to be eligible. And there's gonna there's a bot called the giveaway bot, which I've used in the past. Um, it kind of automates the whole process really nicely. You vote with emojis, etc. And for that one, we're gonna give away three digital um, gift certificates. Well, three three gift certificates for Drive Through RPG. One of those will be $25, one of those will be $15, and one of those will be $10. Um, so yeah. And you can obviously use that to buy whatever you want. You can go towards a um a print-on-demand thing that you've been looking at, or whatever, whatever you want to buy. Um, so those will both be happening at the same on the same day on the 7th of June, or around that same day. It might be a day later, just because Liam is moving that day into a new house. Um and we may just need to, like, that's around that day as we want to do it. And it would be nice to have actually done the done the draw on that day. But if it ends up being a day or two later, then that's cool, too. Mm. Um, so, yeah. We're just announcing it now. There will be more. We'll be talking about it more. We'll be doing talking on social media about it a little bit on our Discord about exactly what that's going to entail in terms of the Patreon-specific um, books that we're going to be giving away. Um, so, yeah. It's going to be a little, little a lot of books.
1: Uh, some quite cool ones. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. We're still trying to figure out the um, the postage thing as well for the Patreon one, but we'll talk about that later um, just because if there's up to like 10 books and because of the state of the world right now, uh, you know, shipping 10 books from New Zealand and Germany all across the world can be pretty massively expensive. So um, um, we're not sure whether how we're going to do that yet. Um, we might be asking for winners to pay postage. Um, we're still figuring that out. So those little details, exactly what we're going to be offering and you know, how postage is going to work and all that kind of stuff is still undecided at this moment. Um, but we're definitely going to be, you won't have to pay for the book itself. We'll be giving the books away. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there might be more coming into the kitty as well. Like I might reach out to a couple of publishers and see if there are any, um, you know, any books that they want to sweeten the, the kitty with that maybe they can ship directly from, from the publisher. I don't know. Um, We'll see. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. No, it'll be um. Yeah, the shipping. Last time we did a giveaway, I had to ship a book to bataan and it cost a lot. <laughs> it was actually like fucking wow. Um, so yeah, there's there's a few yeah. few caveats there just with the yeah, yeah as Matt said, state of the world and um all that sort of stuff and postage being what it is right now. We, we, we can't afford to buy a second book if it gets lost in post these are all things to be aware of before you join patreon just to witness but if you're already on patreon um or you want to support us anyway then it's um it's just a nice little thank you gesture for helping us reach 100 episodes helping us reach three years because um honestly the mud and blood community is amazing um wouldn't yeah I yeah three years. It's really easy when you've got the sort of people like that we have on there around us supporting us, and the, the Q and As and things that we do over on on Patreon are always fun and all that sort of stuff. So um yeah. Now uh, we appreciate all of you, uh, and we just want to give a little bit back. I mean, especially like Attila, it's like it, for, we I need to ask Attila if we can upload this video. Attila made us a birthday cake for reaching 100 episodes and, and like shit like that. Like, it's dope. Like, we want to, there's, there's a lot of cool shit. Yeah. We appreciate you guys. We want to give a bit of
2: something back. So, yeah, 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 awesome. So, um, I think that's us. Like, this has been a nice chat, looking back at everything and reminiscing and talking about like favorite episodes and stuff. Um, yeah, hopefully, I, I don't know how many people were like listening through to this whole thing to the end, but um, if you have, reach out to us on on social media. And uh, what's our what's our code phrase going to be? Because people seem to like this. Not fat pigeon this time.
1: Um, Centennial for a hundred. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, reach out on on. So I don't know, Wait, something, something like that. I don't know. You cheese. <laughs> Tell us you're a mud and blood centurion, being one, of, getting, getting, yeah, getting to the hundred. There you go. Let us know if you're a centurion. getting to the end of the hundredth episode. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, you're a centurion. There you yeah, go. You're a centurion. centurion. Tell us proudly that you're a centurion. Yeah. Well done for getting to the end of this Absolutely. episode. Absolutely,
1: <laughs> centurion, or send us a gift or a picture. I don't know. Just give us the reference, and we will reference back. Yeah, I loved doing all the pigeon gifts last time. That was great. Yeah, that and was I was lovely. super stoked that someone actually heard the Easter egg that we put in. Kiss. <laughs> Julia and I have been putting in Easter eggs for three fucking years, and none of you have ever mentioned it until you heard pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> and even that, it was only one person, yeah. I think. <laughs> you have no idea yeah. how how many pigeon noises we listened to before you found the one. <laughs> <laughs>
2: wow <laughs> uh, oh man that's awesome <laughs> all right so thanks very much you centurions for listening to the end um yeah let's finish so i think if you like if you've uh if you're listening to this you're probably already a fan because you're listening back to how you know us reminiscing about the show so you probably already know where to find us but if you don't go to mpcast.co and that's where we've got all our social media links um we're on discord obviously more than anything else uh we have a patreon we've mentioned patreon a number of times it's mbcast.co forward/patreon slash for the link to that um yeah so if you if you're not already a patreon supporter then head there and see what we're what we're doing um we didn't actually really talk about patreon about like that sort of outside of things for um during the show but
1: patreon's really yeah. made a huge difference the amount of like um yeah, support that we've gotten from that the uh, the money goes a long way to helping us justify what we're doing, um, paying for stuff that we use, such as Zoom right now, the communication that we're having. Um,
2: yeah. Or carrying company. If you love carrying company, you love those sound effects. We have um, a subscription to what's it called again? Story Storyblocks. Storyblocks yeah. Which is a massive um, Creative Commons library of sound effects, professional sound effects. And Liam is a heavy user of that mm. in our actual plays. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, 100%. So, yeah, the Patreon goes a long way. Um, it really does. Um, mm. So we, we really do appreciate you guys. Uh, and, yeah, um, very much. Yeah, we are unbelievably grateful. Um, again, which yeah. is why we're trying to give you some free shit. <laughs> Not quite free. We're, yeah. g- we're giving you a reward for being oh, following us on Patreon. you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, nah, it's cool. It's been huge. Uh, yeah, Especially because like, oh, fuck. Just every time I look at it and go, that many people like us enough to pay for something that we're giving out for free blows my mind. Mm. It actually mm. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. It really blows my mind. Um, so yeah, no, nah, massively appreciate it. Yeah,
2: Yeah, for sure. Cool. And uh, yeah, I guess you know about Danheim probably already. The you know who's doing the music, the intro and the outro, he's on YouTube, Bandcamp, Spotify, everywhere. Um, and that's it. Like we've got forty k coming up next, as we've said a few times already. So looking forward to that, and we'll catch you next time. So thanks very much, and looking forward to another hundred episodes.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Fuck
2: you. So, cheer,
1: cheer, fine can